Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, I've got a great offer for you from We Are One Composites. Regular listeners will know that I've been a fan of We Are One Composites wheels for many years. I've always loved the way that they've managed to strike a balance between wheels that are direct and really go where you put them, but they don't have a punishing ride feel. It's an impressive engineering trade-off to design wheels that handle so well. Not only do they ride amazingly, they're also super robust. In pretty much six years of using their wheels, I've broken one spoke in a freak accident where a rock flicked up and smashed into the wheel. Otherwise, they've stayed tight and true with literally zero maintenance. This year, we've been lucky enough to run their brand new Convergence wheels on the downhill team, and I can confirm that we are one have done it again. Impact strength is up an incredible 32%, meaning they're even more robust than before, yet they've kept that winning we are one ride feel. Across all three team bikes, we've been giving the wheels a hammering, but with no issues to report. For the month of August, We Are One are generously offering downtime listeners 15% off all wheel sets, rims, and their depackaged bar and stem. So whether you want their new convergence wheels, their still very awesome revolution wheels, or their depackaged bar and stem, now is your time. You can get 15% off until the end of August 2023 by using the code DOWNTIMEAUGUST2023 at weareonecomposites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, no space, then August with a capital A, no space, followed by the number 2023 at weareonecomposites.com. Please note this must be entered at the very final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page. If you're enjoying the podcast, then there's a few things you can do. First and foremost, share the podcast. Maybe that's telling your friends about the show, recommending a specific episode to them that you think they'll like, or sharing the episodes on your social media. If you find the podcast provides you with some value, maybe you've learned something that's helped your riding or your fitness, maybe it's got you stoked to go riding or to come back from an injury, or maybe it's just something to pass the time when you can't be out on your bike, then it'd be awesome if you're able to do a little something in return to help the podcast continue and improve by setting up a small, regular donation via my Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Big thank you to Julian Ebner who joined that lovely list of Patreons recently. Also, if you want to represent the podcast, then there's downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If you want a little more downtime in your life, you can join my newsletter where you'll get behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews of products I've been using and like, partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode by hitting that button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms to help you over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. All of the links for all of that stuff are in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. All right, today's episode is also supported by Santa Cruz Bicycles, who are responsible for me attempting this year's Stone King Rally. If you've been listening to our Downtime Goes Downhill series, then you'll know that Stone King didn't quite go to plan. And in this episode, you can hear all about it. I'm joined by Enjoy Racer Katie Winton to quiz me on what went on. This is the deepest I've ever dug physically and an insane roller coaster of a week on a bike in incredible places with amazing people. So without further ado, here's Katie Winton to find out how I got on. Here we go, Chris. We're going to talk about your Stone King Rally experience. I'm nervous. Are you? <laughs> uh, so am I. <laughs> the tables have turned. It's a role reversal. <laughs> you've, you've, you've been in this side once before. I think we're going to be all right. One time. One time. One time. So the Stone King Rally, major mountain bike event, 
added the Trans-Provence, its uh, predecessor, before it's evolved into the Stone King Rally. Still the best mountain bike event I have ever done. And it's not the easiest one to get into because it's very limited in spots. So you're going to tell us how the opportunity arose that you got into this incredible event. Yeah, I was very lucky. And uh, I came into work, I say into work, into the spare room in our house uh, on the first like working <laughs> day of 2023. And uh, I had an email from Loic, who is the... Uh, European marketing guy for Santa Cruz bicycles and obviously Santa Cruz are like the headline sponsor of Stone King Rally uh, just a little short email like hey Chris how's it going just wondering if you would be interested in doing Stone King Rally let us know <laughs> I was no like, way whoa what a way to start the year um, so yeah it's like the best first day in the office you could possibly have I think getting um, getting an email like that as your first email that you open for 2023 yeah, what an amazing start. And what was the immediate reaction? Was it just like absolute yes or were you a bit like, ooh? I honestly like, I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing to even think about saying no to because like you say, it's so hard to get into and everyone that's ever done like Trans-Provence or the first Stone King like absolutely raves about it. But the flip side of that is like, we have the downhill project this year and I'd sort of chosen to do downhill after trying to train for EWS, now EDR, last year and realising like how much time you need to get the sort of volume in to do something like that. I was like, well, downhill, I'm not saying that downhill riders aren't fit and I'm sure at the top level they're putting in as much time as the EWS races. But like for me as a punter, I felt like I could get fairly fit and into good shape for downhill without like necessarily being out on big five six hour rides so I was like didn't really have the time in my year to get fit for Stone King Rally and uh I'd also lost a lot of fitness over the winter like we um we moved house which obviously is a lot of stress and time and sorting and all of that jazz so I was kind of like I feel like realistically I should say no to this but I'm not getting this opportunity again. It's Stone King Rally. Um, like, I just, I couldn't bring myself to say no to it. Like, even though in on paper I probably should. So in the end, yeah, like, my heart said yes. Uh, I had a chat with Kerry, my wife, and we sort of looked at it and it, it almost landed in the worst possible place in the calendar as well. Like, her busiest <laughs> week at work was the week after I got back from Stone King Rally. So we were like, oh man, like, it's really not ideal. But, you know, the the chance of, you know, of getting that opportunity again is probably not going to come around. So we decided we'd make it work and we'd get through those few weeks. And, uh, yeah, we decided to say yes. Yeah, good on you, because it's a it's a whole different ballgame when it's not just you, you have to consider it's your family. How are you going to make that work? Like it's uh, it's like, yes, you absolutely want to make the most of the opportunity, but. You've also got more things to consider than just yourself. So. Definitely. And with Santa Cruz coming to you with this opportunity, did you you had to ride their bike? Uh, I don't think I necessarily would have had to, but I did ask, like, do you want me to do it on a Santa Cruz? Ah. And they, they were they were keen for me to do that and basically said, we'd like you to. If that's, if that's like a showstopper, then obviously ride whatever you want. But you can you can mm -hmm. choose which bike you want from the lineup 
um, oh, to ride Stoking choose on. Choose any of their like, bikes. Yeah, which is pretty cool, isn't it? Like, again, it's one of those offers that you don't really want to say no to. Um, so I yeah. undenied a little bit. Like, I, I generally get on better with the mullet setup, I guess. I'm pretty sure. And it makes me feel more, like, confident mm-hmm. and comfortable on steeper terrain. Um, so I was initially, like, thinking about the Bronson. Um but then I was like, oh man, like they're going to be big days, lots of descending. It's like, I think I'd rather like carry maybe a little bit more weight up a hill or have a slightly less efficient pedaling bike and just have all the travel. So I ended up deciding on the Nomad, which is the like 170 mil uh, bike. It's also, I think at that point in time, like their most recent launch. So it's like the most up to date, like from their perspective on like kinematics and all that kind of stuff. And I'd heard mm-hmm. really good stuff about the bike. So I thought I'd uh, give that a go. I did make sure that I could swap over to my trusty Magura brakes because I didn't really want to ride something uh-huh. with brakes on that I wasn't familiar with, especially when you're descending for like, well, anywhere up to like 25 minutes on uh, alpine terrain. So, yeah. So that was the bike that yeah, I chose to do on. That's, that's the thing with this event. It's like, it's big days, but your descending numbers like 23,000 meters that's 23,240 meters altogether which that's is insane. just over two and a half times down mount everest like <laughs> when, when you say it like it's, that it's insane it's insane so like going for a bigger travel monster bike it's going to be a bit nicer to you and on your body isn't it hundred <laughs> percent yeah and i i i was well aware from the very start that my body needed everything I could give it, like any advantage I could find mm. to help me get through that was going to be worth it. Like I was never coming from where I was coming from. I was never going to find it easy, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And with this bike, when did you get it before mm. the race? Yeah, it was as with everything in the bike industry for the last few years, like nothing's straightforward. Um, so it was a little bit later than we hoped. I think I got it like maybe early mm. May in the end. Um, so not that long before enough time to like mm-hmm. spend some rides on it and like get it set up, but not enough time yeah. to like, I guess, fully bond with it. But luckily it's a very easy bike to gel with. I would say for me anyway, like the geometry feels very like appropriate. I don't feel like I have to do anything to kind of ride around any of its like geo numbers or kinematics like it just was easy so i was pretty stoked like literally first ride got on and it felt pretty good so yeah we got to speed pretty quick quite a natural bike yeah so some some bikes are harder than others i find to like suss out and get set up and this one just really wasn't it was pretty easy that's awesome that's awesome and so you've got the bike you know what you're doing and it's january how do you go about starting to prepare? Like, what were you what were you most worried about from there to the start of the event? Yeah, I guess I was worried about two key, two key things. One is like my fitness level, and second is that I'm not very good at riding trails blind. <laughs> like, I generally am quite nervous and like struggle with the first run. So, I'm suddenly undertaking something which involves blind racing all week on. You know, alpine terrain like pretty gnarly terrain and i've got to be super fit and i'm like oh man have i picked the wrong event here like i'm not sure this is a good fit but i've been like looking to push myself 
personally, I guess, and like try and work on some of the areas that I'm not very good at. So I saw it as like a good opportunity to like try and tackle those um, two things. So yeah, I guess I've been following um, Ben Plenger, like Strength Factory, uh, MT, complete MTV program on and off um, over the last couple of years. Um, so just try to do that as consistently as I could from like early January onwards. Um, try to like stay away from illness and like avoid the opportunities of picking up colds and stuff as much as possible, which is pretty hard when you've got a three-year-old kid going to nursery and bringing things back into the house. But actually it wasn't too bad. I lost a little bit of time to illness, but not as much as I'd done the previous year when I was trying to train for EWS. Um, so yeah, really just working on like maintaining like the work that I was doing from a strength perspective for downhill, um, doing a little bit of power work, but maybe not as much as I would have done. And then just trying to get zone two, like base miles done. So in the depths of winter, that was really, you know, sitting on the Wahoo kicker in the garage, like with a podcast on or watching something or whatever on the laptop and just getting those relatively dull miles done. Um, and trying to balance like the downhill training for the first downhill race, which was in early May. And then the, uh, like the zone two, the base stuff for Stone King. And then as soon as that first downhill race was out of the way, like I didn't, I literally just rode bikes. Like the weather was incredible. It was perfect. Like we had that amazing, I don't know, four, six weeks of weather where everything was bone dry. It was warm every day. I don't think it rained. Like it was insane. It was perfect timing. I just rode as much as I possibly could fit in around like work and family and everything else, which ultimately still was nowhere near the demands of a day of Stone King. Like I, I think the week, a week or two before I flew out, I did, I rode six days back to back, which is the first time I've ridden six days in a row mm -hmm. for many years. But I was like, well, we've got to do that at Stone King. Let's try and do it before we go and see how it feels. And it was ace. It was a really good week. Loads of, loads of riding, really good fun. But then even that, then I like looked at the stats and I was like, right, I've ridden for six days and I've probably done the equivalent of one or maybe one and a half days of stoking over those six days of riding. And then it all started to hit home, just like how much um, needed to be done. But I felt like for me, pretty fit. Like it's probably the fittest I've been mm -hmm. for, well, for a long time, at least going out. Yeah, because you just have to do the best with what you've got and the time that you've got. And that, and like you say, that weather window that we had was just amazing. It was so good. <laughs> to yeah. be able to get that amount of bike time at that time of year. Because, I mean, May can still be snowing here and it's just dreadful. So Yeah, no, it was absolutely yeah. perfect. And so nice as well. Like, I went riding on an evening. I just remember rolling back along the valley coming home and I was just like this is so good that this event is making me do this. Not that I don't like to go ride bikes, but I, I, mm. I literally never ride bikes six rides a week. That's just, I don't make that happen. I can't fit it in normally. Um, so that was super nice. But even then, like I think the longest ride yeah. I did in training, like trying to make a big block of time available when you've got kids and business and all that kind of stuff, I, I find anyway, it's quite hard. I think the longest ride I did was maybe three or just over three hours. And very soon when you arrive at Stone King, you realise that it's a bit of a different kettle of fish. <laughs> yeah. So when you're packing up to leave, did you feel like you were ready or just a 
how did you actually feel? Um, I, I've definitely been really nervous about it. I think I've been nervous about it underlying since I sort of said yes to it. Like there's been an underlying, str- not stress, but it probably is a stress on the system of like knowing I've got this thing coming up and I'm pretty scared of it. Um, but I'd done a lot of work and I, for me, like I said, I felt like I was in a pretty good shape. Like I was doing like relatively big rides that would normally make me feel pretty knackered. And I was feeling relatively fresh afterwards, like that week of back to back days, you know, I was kind of tired by the end of the week, but not super tired, like getting up every day, like fresh, ready to go. wasn't feeling sore after riding. Like felt, yeah, felt like I was in a pretty good place, but I was pretty burnt out. I think from a work perspective, like work's been really Mm -hmm. hectic this year in a good way, like lots of good stuff going on, but I've taken on quite a lot of things and, that's definitely taken its toll. So I was, I actually went to Lear Gang World Cup the week before Stone King Rally. Um, that was kind of how it worked. I was already going to be at that World Cup before Stone King came into the calendar. So, um, like getting ready to go to Lear Gang, I was just like, I'm not really, I don't feel that stoked to be doing this, which for me is really a really bad sign because I love going to the races and being at the World Cups and I wasn't super stoked to go there. And I think that was a good sign that I was like pretty tired. I think it was like a combination of work busyness and trying to get the training in that I'd probably just stretch things a little bit too far. And I was aware of that going that week. So I did try and take that week a little bit easy and low key. Um, you know, it wasn't out partying. Not that I normally do at World Cup much, but like it's nice to go to the <laughs> after party. You're a big party. party guy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so try to take it pretty chill. Try to keep like a reasonable level of like nutrition and stuff throughout the week and look after myself. Um, but you know what it's like. You're at a race, it gets busy. Um, so yeah, it's kind of hard to Those rest. Those events but- are just full on when you're there. And I'm just listening to this and I'm like, oh, you were it. You, I saw you in Leo Gang. That mm. was the week before. Like packing for doing one of these six day races, like it's really complicated <laughs> because you need a lot of things, but you don't have a lot of space. And, yeah. you, you know, it's six days in the big mountains. Like it can be snowing, miserable. It could be really hot. You've got six full days where you've not really got a whole lot of time. Like how... How did you decide what you needed to take? Yeah, it was a bit of a mission to be fair. And actually, you know, shout out to Stone King Rally. They do send out like a pretty good, like pa- almost packing list, like a guide of all the stuff that um, they think you should take. And a lot of it's like, you know, pretty self-explanatory, like spare brake pads, spare chain, blah, 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 like AXS batteries, all this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then there's like really stuff you'd never think of, like tick tweezers, like part mm-hmm. one of the days, especially like there is a lot of ticks. Like I had one on my shorts in the minibus one day and like a few people got, got them in them and that to get them out. Little things like that, like, um, you know, a pillow because you're camping all week, blister patches because you end up pushing your bike a lot. Two towels was a recommendation, which is a really good recommendation. We'll talk about wet kit in a bit, um, <laughs> like back protector, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, then obviously, because I was going to Lear Gang, so I had like, clothes for, and kit for that week which includes all the podcast gear so like microphones recorder cameras all that bike bike bag helmet body armor riding kit 
uh, I, I had a friend who'd done Trans-Provence and he was like, take two pairs of shoes if you can, because you're going to get them wet. Take If you can, take a different set of riding kit for every day so you've always got fresh kit and you don't have to worry about washing and drying stuff, which is really, really good advice. But like trying to get that all in, I'm like, oh man, I think I had half a kilo spare across all of my bags when I packed up. I know like the nutrition product you end up taking as well because you need to sort of bring enough to get you through from like a sort of snacking perspective. The meals are all covered by Stone King, but you need to be able to snack. And I snack pretty heavily when I ride. Um, yeah, it was a <laughs> it was a nightmare. I, I had like a list and I was crossing things off and yeah, ended up ordering so many random things that I never thought I'd be getting. But um, definitely like the, the Stone King list helped. And that I bought a, like a memory foam travel pillow, which is the best, best like 20 quid I've ever spent. So comfortable that that was a yeah that was a massive win but yeah packing packing was a stress actually yeah, yeah quality sleep is a is a the, the main thing you really want that week as well oh, 100%. <laughs> you need the rest and it's hard to come by as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you've been in leo gang you've done all your packing you've been in leo gang and now you're heading to the event so how does that all work once you arrive what yeah, so we um so Max Schumann who was uh racing and also uh works for Santa Cruz was at Lear Gang and Tim from Podium Catering was there who was gonna go and do some of the catering staff team for Stone King. So we all drove down together, which was super nice. Uh Max and Tim did all the driving actually between them, fair play, uh, which was pretty cool. So I got to rest uh in the van, which is nice. I think it was like 10 hour drive like we split and stopped by one of the italian lakes overnight which was pretty nice I had a like pre-race pizza down by the side of the lake got bitten lots <laughs> standard italian lake vibes <laughs> um, and then yeah like we i think we arrived early afternoon at the base camp camp zero um and it's cool like you, it's the first time you see the setup and uh so there's like a big sort of mess tent there for everyone to like eat and sit down and hang out there's little bar so ash who runs the event also runs sapodia brewing um so you get your own cup with your race number on it and that you can basically fill that with beer as much as you like throughout the week i didn't because i knew i needed as much help as i could get and that wasn't going to be part of the help <laughs> um so i stayed away from that until the last night um and yeah like all your tents are up in the woods ready to go so they 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 pitch your tent and move your tent every day They've got like a quite a thick air mattress in them, which is actually super comfy. Um, that sort of is part of the camp setup. I think they're the, they're thicker than the ones you lot had for Trans Provence, I'm told. Um, so it's pretty pretty deluxe Ooh. camping, and they're blackout tents, which is cool. So you get no light coming no in, no way, which is yeah, super cool. Eh? Wow, mind you, you're pretty much up before they've the gone sun's up. up. They've gone up. <laughs> they have. They have. They've upgraded the tents and the mats. Um, yeah. And then yeah, you've obviously got to like unpack your bike, get everything set up sign on get all your bits and bobs and the camp staff of which there is quite a lot of them like it's a huge logistical operation they're all like really upbeat like a really nice bunch of people so felt super welcoming and then there's like a load of kind of semi-nervous riders milling around so people from all over the world like you know familiar faces that you kind of you know from races or whatever and then the people you've never met and but there seems to be like a lot of overlap like someone you know will know these people and you'll get introduced and pretty quickly you start meeting like quite a lot of people there um but the thing that really struck me i didn't realize until later like how 
high the the camp zero was so i like got my bag wheelie bag and walked up to my tent and it wasn't very far up and i had to stop halfway and catch my breath and i was like oh man like i am screwed <laughs> like but i think i think that camp was over 2000 meters so there's a fair reason for it but i just assumed we were like in some alpine valley like maybe a thousand meters or something and i was already really struggling um but yeah like it was it was quite an eye-opener just how thin the air was at that first camp which impacts your resting heart rate your sleep like everything um but yeah it's cool everyone's there everyone sort of gets together and has a bit of a chat and then there's dinner in the evening and ash does a bit of a presentation like i guess to sort of introduce the week like roughly what we're going to be doing um as you well know you don't find out where you're going um until literally like the night before the day you go so every every evening you get like the route for the next day and until that point in time you've got you've got no idea like where you're going how big it is how many stages how many shuttles how much climbing all of that is kind of kept top secret and under wraps which is kind of kind of cool actually um yeah so you get your first your first day's route um and then you go to bed and you realize how little sleep you're gonna get because yeah the morning sort of starts at half five when the tent zips start going and uh breakfast is at six and then you you need to leave camp at seven get your timing chip and off you go and you you're out riding which to me i was kind of shocked i thought it would be like an eight or nine o'clock start i wasn't expecting it to be seven um so yeah it was a it was a bit of a wake-up call like literally a wake-up call Oh wow, that is a that is a really early start, just straight up and onto it. With the camp vibes the night before quite good, or was everybody kind of a bit apprehensive, or like were your doubts and like worries kind of put at ease because you were with the other riders and it was all right now, or were you almost more hyped because you were like, ah, <laughs> it's happening? It's a bit of a mixture, I think. Yeah, there's definitely that like, whoa, we're here. This is like, this is real. Um, and there's the the thing you soon realise with these events is there's a lot of people that come back um and there's you know for good reason you can see why um so there's i would say at least half if not more of the people there have done other trans provence or stone king rally events maybe not the last year but they've been before and i think that helps if you're trying to get an entry it helps if you've been before because they know that you're you know fit enough or capable or good enough rider or whatever to do it um so those people are relatively, I would say, relaxed. They know what they're getting themselves into. They're prepared. They've been there before. They've got their little processes or their lists of things that they know they've got to do, and they're on it. And they're quite chill and quite calm. And then you've got all the newbies like me who are like, oh, I'm not sure about this, bit nervous. Have I done enough training? Can I ride it? How technical is it going to be? So it was a bit of a mixture. And I don't think I felt any better or any worse, really. I just think I carried the same level of nerves because you get some people make you feel better and some people make you feel a bit more nervous. So it sort of balances a bit. Mm, especially as well, like because the night before when Ash gives you the thing and he gives you a bit of a chat about what's to come and you're like listening to what he's saying and you're trying to figure out like, your perspective he's his perspective of what what's being said you know or like it's a really big climb but how big a climb is that what does he think is a big climb what yeah. do i think is a big climb yeah. you're gonna just you're still a little bit blind even though you know roughly what's coming oh totally and i think like this whole event is like a small window into ash's brain and as you get through the week 
you start to get to know Ash better by what he's doing to you, literally. And you start to understand what, what when Ash says something, you kind of interpret it properly. Whereas when you get a root card at the start of the day, or even, you know, I'd looked at last year's stats for the event and I was like, oh yeah, okay. So it's this much climbing a day, this, this kind of kilometers. Oh yeah. All right. And admittedly, I didn't factor in altitude and temperature into my thoughts there. And that definitely has an impact, but the stats on paper, they don't, they don't tell the story by quite a long way, I think. And you need to start to learn to understand Ash and the way he thinks and the way he works. And, and yeah, you, that grows as you get through the event, I think, for sure. Mm. And day one, oh, I'm really interested to know, is what, did, what was for breakfast? <laughs> oh, good question. I think most mornings there was always porridge available uh, and there was yep. never a shortage of food, believe me, like we never ran out of anything um so yeah tea coffee like fruit juice stuff like that there was a bit of cereal floating about there was porridge with various sweet things to stick in it and i think there was probably some eggs and a bit of bread floating about as well on the first morning but yeah porridge was the consistent were were you able to eat or were you too nervous to eat um i was probably nervous but i know and and people that have done these events in the past have said like Mm -hmm. you have to eat like you just have to eat so even if you don't want to eat eat um so yeah i put in as much food as i could um but didn't i didn't struggle to eat the first morning actually it got a bit harder throughout the week well i think it was harder to eat fatigued for me than it was to eat nervous if that makes sense yeah yeah and did you have a process like coming into that first day like did you have a bit of a plan of attack or like you know how you were going to get through the the first day you know for the mm. week whatever like you're coming into that first day did you know roughly how you were going to go about yeah i had a bit of a feel so i've done like big days in the past for ews and a few other bits and bobs so like i kind of know mm. how to fuel a big day like i know how many grams of carbs i need to eat per hour roughly um i took um ot anytime bars which are like a like a flapjack they're not like nothing funky no gel or anything like that um i use their super carbs powder in a water bottle which is really good because you can get 80 grams of carbs into 500 ml of water which is super good for anyone that knows like when you look at the carb number you need to get through an hour it's scarily high and actually quite hard to do um so that that's a massive help so i took a bottle for that full of that and then a spare like pouch that i'd fill up every morning with another couple of scoops of the powder to go to go again on the bottle um you get lunch uh, from camp so like a baguette packet of crisps some fruit some chewy bars and stuff comes from camp when you leave and then there's also a lunch stop along the way where the guy who does the timing comes along and brings like a few different sort of bits of like i don't know, like a couscous salad uh, a load of sweets a load of like you know crunchy things and uh there's normally coffee available and stuff like that and top-ups for lunch as well so you're pretty well supported um so yeah i knew i needed to keep eating and drinking um took some hydration salts with me in hindsight not enough we could talk about that later um and yeah just wanted to plod really like get out early mm-hmm. like not you know i think we were given the window of 7 to seven thirty to leave and i was like well, i'll just go at seven and then i've got the best chance of getting around um, I rode with a computer and a heart rate monitor on because I wanted to try and as much as possible stick in zone two, which was really hard on the first day, I think, because of the altitude. Um, 
just because I know I can tick along in that zone like pretty good. Um, yeah, that was the approach really. And then just ease into the riding and try and enjoy it as much as I could and see see how it went. That was like how I approached that first day. So when you left for the first day, you pedaled from camp. That we was... did, yeah. There was a bit that for the <laughs> first day. Um, so I think Ash said we crossed 46 like municipalities, they would call it out there, like I guess sort of councils or government areas or whatever. And the one we started in was the only one that gave any hassle. So Ash had to cancel two stages on the first day and he added a stage from last year's Stone King Rally, which Ash doesn't like to do. Ash doesn't like to cover the same stage twice. Um, so we only had three stages on the first day um, and actually we ended up with a bit less climbing. I think it was supposed to be a 2,000-metre climbing day and it ended up being like an 1,800-metre climbing day or 1,700 or something like that. Um, so, yeah, that day was a bit... Uh, from Ash's perspective, messed up. It didn't feel like that as a as someone taking part. So yeah, we rode out for like mm-hmm. not long, maybe like forty minutes. Had one little descent through some really nice, fresh, like loamy, switchbacky woods, uh, which was mint to like settle in. And then mm-hmm. we got on a on a um, one of the uplifts from Cool Bus, and that was when the day like started for real, I guess. Yeah, do you hear? It's almost like a little warm up, and then got into it. And yeah. what were the stages like on that first day? Uh, they were um, pretty varied, actually. So we started out um, with a pretty big climb out into the high alpine kind of style riding uh, with a trail that had a little bit of exposure, nothing too crazy. There was one area that they'd sort of signposted saying that there was quite, you know, anywhere that had significant exposure you were warned about and it was like signed on the track like don't fall off here basically um yeah typical <laughs> alpine like rocky still a bit wet um a couple of river crossings um not super long can't remember maybe like six minutes or something um pretty cool stage like real i would say pretty easy uh, in the grand scheme like a good stage to kind of get into it um then we did a massive we did like a 900 meter climb from the bottom of there uh basically straight up to the next stage which was a janky mess of lines at the top like the snow melt i guess was still happening to some extent there's a couple of little patches of snow um and there was loads of lines everywhere it was like pretty confusing to try and work you're like oh i'm on such a sick line then you'd be like no i'm not i'm in totally the wrong place and you're like all over the shop through the top and then it totally changed and went into this like insane alpine meadow at the bottom with like really good dirt bit of support in the turns like real fast at the bottom of it across this beautiful meadow um and was like super hot at the bottom of there like 25 26 degrees and then we've got an uplift from there uh into the cloud full white out rain absolutely disgusting freezing cold and the whole of the stage was in the cl- like you literally couldn't see where you were going uh, with like multiple stream crossings, like janky slippery rocks, like like re- you really had to concentrate to keep because obviously they're not these stages are so long and there's so many of them spread out across this part of the Alps that they tape like as little as possible to kind of ensure that you can follow the track and it's definitely doable. They've, I would say they're taped well, but you in those conditions you really had to look ahead and like try not to miss any of the taping because it's it's in the whiteout it's pretty easy to do i think um so yeah massive mixture for the first day like totally insane and then um 
I ended up riding with a guy called Bass. We sort of ended up being a similar pace throughout the day. And then we could, we both met, we managed to get each other lost, uh, riding from that stage oh, no. back to camp at the end of the day. We were like, don't think we're going the right way, dude. Like we're halfway up this like sketchy track on some steep alpine meadow. I get the, I'm, my Garmin, or no, well, why for me, Garmin for him, like they're beeping. I don't think they're very happy with us. Like we're in the wrong place. So we ended up like, I really lost about 10 minutes or something, but, uh, yeah, and then the actually the trail back to camp was mint that night. It was like pretty much all downhill. Mm. Had some really nice little rocky sections on it. So yeah, it was a pretty good first day. Like obviously we came out of it soaking wet, covered in mud because of that last stage. But it, yeah, it was a success. It was my biggest ever day on a mountain bike at that point. Um, like most climbing, longest ride, uh, not in distance, but like in time. Uh, yeah, so it was nice. And I think mm -hmm. we rolled into camp at like half, four maybe which is the earliest i finished all week oh um which was actually pretty nice so yeah, we that's, had, a, that's good it's yeah. really good for a stone king rally day um so yeah you had time to like get back clean your bike clean yourself and actually sit down i think i managed to sit down for about half an hour and rest rather than just going straight into like dinner clean bike mm -hmm. clean self pack for the next day go to bed um so yeah, it was it was in the yeah. grand scheme. And were you pretty, quite happy? Were you quite happy after that first day of like you know you were a bit worried about your fitness, or you were a bit worried about you know the blind riding and stuff. Like after that first day, were you feeling a bit like all right, that was all right? Or yeah, I was pretty tired. I was definitely tired, um, and I was like, well, the, you know, these are big, and you know, you get back from that first day, and you get the route card for the next day. And you look at it and it's bigger again. And you're like, well, okay, I've just done the biggest ride of my life. And then tomorrow I've got to do a bigger ride. Um, and you just don't know at that point. I was like, well, I've been recovering pretty well in training, like in lead up to the event. Like hopefully I'll recover well overnight and I'll feel kind of okay in the morning. So I'll, let, I'll just eat as much as I can for dinner and get as much sleep as I can and see how we go. But I, yeah, I think I felt like, pretty positive about it. it was i was stoked to get through that first day the stages were like um in places like challenging but nothing like they weren't scary i wouldn't say they were scary uh they weren't steep or like super gnarly mm. or even super janky it was just like pretty good like the th i think all of them were worth stages that you could say were fun the last stage was not much fun in those conditions to be honest like just because of the cloud and the, it was so slick from all the rain. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it was a pretty good start to the event, to be fair. Like I felt relatively comfortable after that. That's awesome. Well done. Because it was a Thank big you. day. I was looking at the stats and it is a, a pretty brutal one to start with. And then I was looking at your second day because that, that first day was kind of broken up with a couple of shuttles. But that mm -hmm. one, it was like, was it shuttle first and then you basically were out for the whole day? That was just you? Uh, there were three, it were like two shuttles and a chairlift on day two, actually. So it was kind of a weird day. Oh, we, that must be day had, three. Yeah, we had a shuttle out on day two. Um, oh, no, we rode from camp. That was it. We had the, Ash called it a cross-country okay. ride from camp. And it was actually stunning, nice. like super beautiful like rolling flats kind of like so you're barely having to put any effort in you get the legs spinning you warm the body up a little bit you start feeling better like breakfast kicking in you're like oh this is mega it's gonna be such a good day and then we got in the vans and went up this <laughs> mad road like we are stopping for 
people like herding cows across the road and all this kind of stuff. And then we had this horrible, I would say, hiker bike up this like super steep cow pasture, like really rough, like trodden by the cows, long grass, bike on your back. Like the path was kind of non-existent. Like it was pretty hard to work out where you're going, like clambering over the odd electric fence here and there. And it was a like a, a pretty brutal wake up. Um, and then into the first stage of that day, which was a loma, but it was like pretty wet. There'd been quite a lot of rain, I think, in the lead up. Um, so it was quite slippery. I had like a fairly sizable moment, like coming into a rock garden, quite hot, like trying to look over into it. And I was like, oh, it looks okay. Like, I think we'll be all right. And then you get that bit closer and you're like, we're not all right. This is this is too fast. So you're like, haul on the anchors. And I, I had a bit of a lie down there, but luckily not not too bad. Um, got down that. Uh, and then the like the actually some of the hardest riding was on the transfers. So the section, mm. the downhill section after that stage was like, I don't know if it's like old sort of donkey tracks or whatever, but it was all this like cobbly sort of rock that was wet with then wet dirt on top. It was like ice. It was every, I was like, I'm the worst bike rider on the planet. And then I got to the bottom and Miranda Miller was there and she's like, I nearly died like four times. I'm like, okay, you're a world champion. If you're struggling, then I'm okay with this. But yeah, it was like (laughs) mega hard getting off. And then we had the most beautiful chairlift. Like Ash had somehow convinced this little town in the middle of nowhere to turn their chairlift on. Um, to get us up to the second stage of the day. And it was two like chairs in a row over this stunning like meadow with loads of wildflowers in. And they were running the chairs like really slow because it was an old lift and like they've got to get the bikes on and off and all this jazz. So I I, <laughs> I fell asleep on the chairlift. I was so tired. And, uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> had a nice little doze above this alpine meadow. Um and I don't really remember the next Good stage. use of your time. Well done. Yeah, exactly. You've got to get the sleeping in when you can. But anyway, because that had taken so yeah. long, like these chairs probably took like an hour and a half for the two of them because they were so long and so slow. Um, so by the time we got to lunch, like we'd only done like a pretty small amount of the climbing for the day. So it's 1600 meters climbing day, I think. Maybe there was some more added in. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Um I think we'd done like 400 or something by lunch. Like it wasn't actually very much climbing Ooh. in the morning. So you sort of like, well, I'm halfway through the day and then you get your this big long uplift in the vans to the like the last two stages. And there was a, like we were less than half the ride. So we probably still had 40K to do. And we still had uh, like somewhere between 1,000 and 1,200 meters to do. And it was two o'clock in the afternoon when we got dropped off at the top. Or not even at the top, at the at the furthest the vans could take us. And then we had the most insane like ride slash hiker bike to this big like alpine ridgeline uh trail again, which was quite wet and the grass was like high and narrow, so you couldn't really see what was in the edges of the track. You're always like, Am I gonna catch a pedal? Um and then where did we oh yeah, and then the, I think the worst hiker bike of the week was after that stage. Um, so it was like this 
you could have pedaled little bits of it. Some of the media guys on e-bikes were pedaling bits of it, but it had like loads of rock and root steps, really awkward. And it's like, I don't know, it's like six o'clock or something, <laughs> super tired. Like you've had a huge, huge day out and uh, you're like trying to push your bike up over all these awkward steps to get to the last stage, wondering if you're going to get to the stage in time because there is like a cutoff um that you need to get there for and i think i'd like oh no way (laughs) yeah i'd i think because i was sort of playing i felt like i was playing catch up so uh i'd ridden with bass on the first day we didn't know each other before the event but we'd sort of we got i think we got in the first van together we'd left camp at a similar time just got chatting ended up riding together we were like similar sort of pace Mm -hmm. and then day two kind of how it works isn't it you just kind of mooch in with people it's yeah. really nice and so he was like oh do you want to ride together mm-hmm. again so we did super good but he he's mm-hmm. definitely a bit fitter than me and uh I'm, i i got lulled into that like catch-up style of riding where you forget to eat like because you're like they're waiting for you so you get there and they've stopped and eaten but you are like oh no let's carry like i've just caught you up let's carry on sorry and i sort of i i'd switched out of my like programmed eat every 20 minutes kind of thing and i think i was just getting more and more empty in the tank throughout the day so that last climb like fair play bass was an absolute legend that day and like you know dragged me through it kind of thing like really helped me psychologically like get up that that uh that last climb and into that last stage um which is one of the beauties of this event like it's uh it's 100 percent. it's the people um that make it as special as it is i think like that's a really cool element of it um but yeah so we we got back we got back to camp at luckily it was a downhill run off the stage to camp like pretty much all downhill because i was like oh we got to pedal back to camp i'm so tired but it was like a roll down the road for a few miles it wasn't too bad um we got back to camp having left at 7 a.m we got back at 7 30 p.m which is when dinner's on the table. Uh, dinner's served about 7.30. I rolled into camp Ben Arnott, uh, who used to be Nico Malali's mechanic, and he was racing. He was stood there with a, a mm-hmm. like an iced glass of Aperol spritz, which was like the most tempting thing in the world. He was like, I'll get you one if you want, Chris. I was like, no, I really want one, but it's not going <laughs> to do me any favours. And honestly, like I was so... Like anyone that saw me that evening or the following morning, like I was a hollow shell of a human, like... I could barely speak at dinner. Like it was all I could do to like get some food in, then go and clean your bike, then clean yourself. And they're like, they'd close the showers to clean them and stuff. I'm like, no, I just need a shower and, uh, and get to bed. Cause you've got to like, you know, you've got to get up and do it again. And, um, I genuinely thought like, I was like, well, I'm going to get to bed and I'll see how I am in the morning. But I genuinely thought that might've been it. I was like, I cannot, like, I literally am struggling to walk around this flat campsite. Like, I can't see how I'm going to be able to get up tomorrow and go and do that again. I'm just going to look at the day three stats. So day three was bigger again, 1,750 metres. So I've seen the route card. I'm like, man, I'm not sure. Like, I think we might have screwed this already. Um, Yeah, I was pretty gutted, to be honest. Like, I really, I thought it was done on, on that second day. Because the thing is, like, you get back from a day like that, you're absolutely cooked. And 
all of that stuff that you still have to do. Like you yeah. can't just like lie down and just be like, oof, like recover. I'm going to be fine. It's like you get back. It's like you've got to, you're forcing yourself to eat because dinner's on the table now. You got to, you got to organize your kit. You got to make sure your bike's sorted out. And the last, that's all of those things are the last thing you want to do. And then you oh. crawl into a tent. And you're just like, no. <laughs> yeah, like, this is suboptimal. <laughs> get me out of here. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. Like you just want to go and sit down. Like sit down and relax and not think about the next day and not think about what you're going to pack or like what the stage is going to be like. You just want to rest and like for the riders that were making that happen, that were getting back early enough to like chill, you could see it. You'd come into camp and there'd be like people sat around with a beer, like big smile on their faces, like having a good chat. And you're like, Oh man, I wish I was that fit or like that good that I could do that. And it's, it's definitely hard when you come in late for sure. And we weren't the latest that day. There were people came later than us. Yeah, that's totally savage. And especially when you're starting to be like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like, uh, like yeah. if I've got to go again and do this all again tomorrow, how am I going to do that? And how did you, did you talk yourself back into it? Did you wait till the morning? How did you go about kind of overcoming how you no, were feeling? I'm pr- I'm generally like fairly stubborn. Like I'm not a big fan of quitting things. I have quit stuff, but I'm not like, I don't, I don't genuinely take that decision lightly so I was like right now like if I wake up and I still feel like this I'm pretty sure this is done but like let's go to bed let's see how we feel in the morning like a a night's sleep can be pretty miraculous but equally I find the more fatigued I get the harder it is for me to sleep like my sleep quality drops like I struggle to get off to sleep um it it sort of it almost is a bit of a compounding thing and I, I have I'm I'm a person who sleeps quite a lot. Like I, te- I, I like a big night of sleep. And so already my window of opportunity for sleep was pretty drastically reduced with a 5.30 a.m. start. Um, but anyway, you make the most of it. You go to bed. I got up in the morning. I felt awful. <laughs> not No worse. But was it another no, not, no better. 5.30 a.m. start again? Yeah, every, every, the... every day was a 7 a.m. out of camp, 6 o'clock breakfast. So, yeah, you, the tent zips would start going at 5.30, oh, wow. so that wakes you up and then you're, you're in. Um, so, yeah, I was up yeah. and I was like, right, well... So you're feeling really rough. <laughs> I felt pretty bad. I was like, well, let's just... Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's progress as if we're going to ride and we'll see what happens. Like, mm-hmm. we can call this at any point, but let's put one foot in front of the other and see what happens so i like went to breakfast again i think anyone that saw me will report i was not i was not a well man um ate as much as i physically could um and then like got my bits together grabbed my bike um put pack on like made sure i had everything i needed and actually so that that morning we left uh camp in the vans so it was a mad like military road up to this super high point and all the that there was that you could only drive the vans in one direction on this road so everyone had to go at the same time so we could drive all the vans up together and then they could all turn around and come back down um for later in the day so everyone had to be in the vans i think 7 15 something like that um so actually as i went and sat by like the exit of the campsite and I felt the food start to kicking. Like I physically felt the energy that my body was getting from this food coming into my soul. Like it was this weird, like normally you eat and you don't really notice that. But I literally felt 
the like recharge of my system and I was like, oh, this feels like a bit better than it did two minutes ago. And then like another five minutes and I'm like, I feel a little <laughs> bit better still. Like I'm going to go get in a van. You get in a van, you like sit in the van for, it's probably like half an hour, like shuttle up. It's quite a, quite a long drive. Beautiful drive as well. We're like with all the vans and it's twisting and turning. So you can see this like big oh, line wow. of all of us like coming up and it was really cool. And uh, yeah, by the time we got out of the vans, like, I mean, I did, don't get me wrong, I didn't feel good, but I felt a lot mm. better. I was like, actually, this might be on, like we might be all right here. And um, it was a pretty, we were high. I think we were like, we went up to the highest point that day maybe i might be wrong but i think we were at like 2700 for the start of the stage that morning um so it was a pretty high altitude climb but it was actually pretty nice like it was fire road for a lot of it It was quite pedalable um it wasn't too steep or it wasn't like it wasn't hot it wasn't exposed like it was fairly early in the morning still and yeah, my body just like warmed in and I really, really focused on like plowing food into my body at every possible opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, just had you figured out up. at that point that that was what was, that that was what had sort of I, cooked you the day before? Uh, yeah, I was pretty convinced anyway, mm-hmm. like on reflection that evening, but then the impact of the food in the morning feeling mm-hmm. so strong, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure like this was a nutrition <laughs> thing. So we'll just keep slamming it's the food It's such a in. magical feeling, eh? you don't know you can't explain that feeling until you've been that deep and then you eat food and you're just like wow i can feel this actually moving into my muscles and i can move again it's it's totally (laughs) insane yeah it's i've had feelings in that week that i've never felt before in my life some of them i don't want to feel ever again but like (laughs) yeah it definitely takes you to places that i had never been like it's the hardest i've pushed my body and I was, I was like stoked as well. Cause I was like, you've dug yourself out of a massive hole, dude. Like I was pretty like giving myself the like metaphorical pat on the back. I was like, come on, right. We got this. Like if we can get through today, we're halfway through the week. And then like, you know, then you'd like, surely you can get through it yeah. from there. Like if you've got halfway, it only get it gets lower cause you're walking your way towards the coast. Mm-hmm. So the altitude's going to drop at like, the days towards the end were a little bit smaller, still big days, but a little bit smaller. Um, yeah, you're, like, you're kind of broken yeah, the back sweet. of it by that point. So it feel quite good once once you hit like the halfway. Like you were like, okay, we are halfway. I got this. Yeah, I think I I did feel that way. Like it was a it was a pretty good day out on the hill. Like the stages mm-hmm. were were good, were fun. Um, we like ended up with another guy in our group. Um, so a guy called Lewis. Mm-hmm who had also absolutely screwed himself on day two to the point where he had gone straight to bed. Like he'd come in, I think he got into camp at like eight or half eight. Uh, Sven Martin had bailed him out with a hydration sachet on that horrible push up on the last climb. And he literally was like, I can't do anything. I'm just going to go to bed. So he just went to bed, got up, ate breakfast, like came out on a dirty bike, like got, got his kit together and was like, right, okay, Let's try and go again. So we'd sort of like, I guess, been attracted to each other because we'd both suffered. So it was me, Bass and Lewis. And we ended up like riding together <laughs> yeah. for the week, really, uh, like becoming suffer buddies you, together. You and Lewis looked each other in the eye and you were just like, I know where you've been. <laughs> yeah, we've both been <laughs> in this, this, like, this, together. Yeah, this pretty dark hole. Um, 
So yeah, yeah it was good. Uh, the first stage was yeah. super hard that day. It was I. It was the longest stage we did. It took me twenty three minutes, uh, which to race twenty three minutes. I mean, race in inverted commas a twenty three minute stage after like being in this huge hole was fully brutal. Um, we actually got caught up. They have sweepers that ride behind the race and like pick all the tape up. And um, mm-hmm. super nice guys, actually. Big shout out to them. Um, and they make sure everyone gets off the hill. They caught us up at one point on day three. And you never want to get caught by the sweepers, do you? Even though they're lovely, you're like, ah, no. oh, this is not a good yeah. sign. But we managed to like pull mm-hmm. away from them a little bit. Um, so that was kind of cool. But obviously that means someone else is at the back, which is never nice, but someone's got to do it. Um, yeah, so we got through the day and uh, felt felt pretty good about that. Yeah, like I was like, oh, I've had my wobble. I've got through it. I know what this mm-hmm. is all about now. Like I'm starting to understand like how ash works uh yeah let's do it yeah like, three more days let's go and and yourself like managing yourself okay and you know the nutrition and everything and 100%. how was the bike at this point were you pretty settled on it uh i i mean i love the bike but i think the setup wasn't great like i set it up for riding mm. in the uk and riding like two minute tracks so when you're like riding 20 minute tracks or even six eight ten minute tracks I think it was a bit much like I ended up backing off uh, compression damping quite a lot just to try and mm-hmm. give myself a bit of an easier time. Like the first few days uh, I've talked about in the Daniel podcast that I've been suffering from arm pump pretty badly and I was definitely suffering from arm pump on those stages to the point where I was like, well, I'm kind of, I'm here to enjoy this. I'm not here for a result. Like I'm actually just going to stop, give my arms a rest mid stage and then mm. like ride the rest of this and enjoy it rather than like ride it really slow, clinging on for dear life, like struggling through arm pump. So my results were like abysmal to the point where Miranda came over on the first night. She was like, are you all right, dude? Like, did you have a huge or something? And I was like, no, I'm just like a tourist. I'm just stopping, like taking in scenery <laughs> mid stage and carry on. She's like, all right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was like definitely. Yeah, but too right. Oh, for sure. Like you're, you're there He's to gonna enjoy have it. have a good time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I was, and, uh, yeah, so I backed off quite a lot and um, made a little tweak and moved the brake levers up a little bit. Um, shout out to Chris for recommending that. Um, yeah, so the bike got into a bit of a better spot for what we were doing as well, I think. And there's an element of conditioning, I think, like once your forearms have been slammed down 5,000 metres of descent every day, like they start to get used to it. So day four was was better on that front. Yeah, and day four was slightly smaller as well. It looked well, like on it, on it was the to be. on the stats, on the stats. It's like I was looking at it. I was like, "Well, you've only got eight hundred and eighty meters of climbing. You've still got three thousand one hundred and twenty meters of descending. There's mm. forty two kilometers. So surely easy, right? Rest day. That's <laughs> that what I thought. Easier so, day. Yeah, we fit. So we <laughs> day day three. We finished in this insane old uh, fort. I think we were in Italy. I don't know, because you skirt the Italian-French border and I never really knew what country I was in. Anyway, we finished in this um, this mad medieval fort. We rode down these steps through the part of the fortress and the local bike club had put on a little bit of a party. So there was like a little bar. They had a load of focaccia and pizza and stuff and uh, like some music. And it was kind of cool, like really nice that the local bike uh, club were behind it. Um, so anyway, you get back, you give your time and chip in, you get your results from the day and then you get given the route card for the for the following. And I looked at it and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, sweet. 
oh, here's a rest day, like 880 metres. Ash has gone soft. Like, this would be all good. And then literally, my I felt my phone vibrate in my pocket. So all the riders are in a WhatsApp group um, on broadcast mm-hmm. only so that Ash can broadcast anything we need to know into this group. Phone buzzes in my pocket. Get it out. Message from Ash. Uh, don't get too complacent about tomorrow's stage. There's a road closure, so we've got to add in another 550 metres of climbing. And you're just like, no, no. way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've just finished this, like, huge day, dug myself out of this hole. I'm like, sick, rest day tomorrow. Like, it's going to be so good. And then, yeah, you get that literally smacked straight back down to the ground with this message, like, no, there's a road closure. We're going to have to drop you off way further down the hill and you've got to pedal up a red run. <laughs> oh so, yeah, no it was uh, not up it, a track it was a pretty brutal like uh message to receive but that again that's part of it right you can't you literally you can't read anything into any of this you never know what's going to happen like the route is to some extent getting adjusted on the fly like i, I have no idea how they make this thing work really because like there was one day where a, a farmer had moved their sheep and put a and as a result, put an electric fence across the track and there were some dogs there. So like Ash suddenly is like, well, okay, we're going to have to like reroute the top of the stage or start this stage a bit lower. Like literally things can change like, on the fly because the route's so insane, so long, covers so much ground. Um, but it, to be fair, it was always made like once you were on the ground riding it, it was all seamless. But the stuff that was going on behind the scenes to make all that work, you'd occasionally get a message like, oh, we've had to have a reroute here. We've updated the commute data because we'd get the routes on commute, uh, which is like a navigation software, um, in order to like put them onto your watch or your Wahoo or whatever. Um, yeah, oh, so that was like, cool. yeah, it was cool. But equally, an extra 550 meters is not really the message that you want to get. Um, and it was uh, no, no. It was a, it was a tough 550 meters as well, to be fair. Were the stages pretty good that day? Day, day, four, day four, yeah. Day four was was my favourite day, although it was probably the oh, undo- really? probably the undoing of me ultimately. Um, but it was insane. It was. I think we were in the. I think it's called the Ossetan Valley. Um, I'd never mm. heard of it before. It's absolutely stunning like all these mad fortresses like it's all trees because you're a bit lower like the tree line kind of comes all the way up to pretty much the top of the hills and we had some like insane awesome like loamy tracks quite quite flowy in spots quite loose in spots but then loads of grip in others like some really natural bits a couple of bits where it felt like maybe someone had just tickled like a natural gap to like maybe put a little bit of a lip on it or you know cut a little downside like really minimal work but like just enough to make things like really switch on um my arm pump Mm. was pretty much gone um so i wasn't having to stop in the middle of the stages and i actually wasn't the bottom Mm -hmm. of the timing sheets for once which was pretty cool like wow actually moved myself off the bottom which was nice and it was yeah and i think like it's lower energy expenditure when it's trails that you feel comfortable on because you ride looser and you're enjoying it um so -hmm. that was yeah some mega stages there was a lot of like whooping and hollering from the whole group like everyone was properly buzzing um but then there's a couple of things i guess that like probably started putting nails in my coffin that day so i 
Oh, really? I, yeah, I hadn't. Um, I had underestimated the amount of hours that we were going to be out. Like I knew they were going to be long days, but I hadn't realised quite how long. I wasn't expecting most days to be like 12-hour days. So I hadn't packed enough hydration sachets for either the temperature probably or the amount of hours that we were out. So I was sort of rationing myself like per day because I knew it was going to get hotter as we got close to the coast. I was rationing myself per mm -hmm. day as to how much hydration stuff I took with me. And then when we added that 550 meters into day four, that climb and the subsequent climbing that we would have been doing anyway was like pretty much in the hottest part of the day and like in direct sunlight. Um, so I had a hat, like I was like, take my helmet off, stick it on my pack when we were pushing. Um, and I had like a cap with like, um, obviously a peak, but also like something to cover the back of my head and my neck, like just to try and keep the sun yeah. off. Cause obviously you're trying to like not get too battered by the sun. Um, we, we were always taking like a full pack of water and a bottle whenever we could, like filling up whenever you go past like a little, um, like a town fountain or whatever, they're all over the place in the Alps. So we were, we were super good on that. But even doing that, I think most people got either very short or ran out of water uh, on that day. We bumped into someone who had like one of those little hand pumps that you can like stick in a stream and it filters the water. So me and Bass both mm -hmm. like went down to this stream and used that and topped up our water bottles. But then you're drinking just neat water. So you're, I, and I sweat a lot. Um, especially when it's like 28 degrees and I'm pedaling up a mountain. Um, so mm -hmm. <laughs> I I think I, well, I'm, pre I'm pretty convinced I dehydrated myself relatively badly that day, despite taking like a couple of sachets of hydration, good, strong hydration product throughout the day. Um, but like, yeah, sweat out versus what I put in were most definitely not equal. And then I had a reasonable crash on the bottom section of the last trail of the day, which was a mad stage. Like all it said on the sign at the start was that there was a surprise halfway down. And you're like, what is Ash doing? Oh, no. like, what's he got for us? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> and at that point you're starting to trust him that like in stage there was generally, there was nothing like super gnarly. It wasn't like you'd come around a corner and there was like, some ridiculous gap or like massive huck or there was none of that like it was all very rideable mm. and like not safe because it never is you're going fast down like alpine trails but like there was nothing stupid like he wasn't trying to kill us for sure um anyway yeah you get halfway down the stage it was the top half was mint actually the whole stage was mint to be fair anyway you come around a corner and there's this little tunnel with a light in it, you're like, what? And we were in, we rode through some kind of military bunker. Like, the, with the, I mean, my bars are cut to like six, seven sixty, but even, even on those, there wasn't a huge amount of space either side. And you're quite tired and you're like trying to not bang into the walls. And Ooh. it like jinked, it jinked through the mountain for like, I don't know how long we we're in there, like a bit less than a minute, maybe, but a while. Anyway, that was our little mid stage surprise. And then came out the bottom <laughs> and uh, I was going really well. I was like riding well. And there's some tight, rocky hairpins quite like maybe three quarters of the way down the track. And I saw, I caught like that there was a photographer, two photographers like out the corner of my eye. And I think like my focus was probably off anyway because of dehydration. And it got pulled out of the trail by these 
like I could see there was two people like near this turn and it was one of them was Sven and Sven said something which at the time I did wasn't able to process and I think it just I was like what did he say and I went round this hairpin and then like hit a rock and just like spat off the side of the track like properly like kidney punch myself snap my computer off the bike oh. and uh and Sven, fair play. Sven came straight over, like got the bike up. Was like, "You're right. Like take a sec. I'd winded myself." And uh, oh I was no, like, yeah, I think I'm all right. And he checked my. He was like, "You're right. Your bars are straight. Your brakes are good. Like you're good to go when you're ready." And uh, so I like dropped back in. Good on him. A guy had come past me. I caught him up and overtook him, which was sick. I was like, prop, like the adrenaline just kicked right in from the crash. I was buzzing. <laughs> And uh, apparently Sven had warned me that like these corners are a bit tricky. You might want to slow down, but I just hadn't like, it, it, I hadn't really been able to process it. Um, anyway, so I was a bit like, I was a bit concerned that I might have done some internal damage because it all felt a bit weird. Um, so anyway, that was the last stage of the day and it was like a pretty chilled ride back. Um, and the really good thing about uh, this or another really good thing about Stone King Valley is that there's medics on every stage and then there's a medic at the camp in the evening. Um, so I rode back and, and I was like, I'll get a massage because I like hit my shoulder pretty hard. There's a massage team on site. You do have to pay, but they're amazing. Uh, I was like, I'll get a massage mm -hmm. on my shoulder, get that worked out. And then I just get like a quick checkup just to make sure everything's okay, which is just reassuring. Eh? Like It's nice someone can like take your blood pressure, like palpate your insides a little bit and just check that nothing feels funky and ask you a few questions. And he's like, nah, you're good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Really good peace of mind. And to have yeah. it right there, you don't have to go to a hospital or anything like that. That's Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was super cool. So yeah, it did that. And um, I knew I was like low on like salts. So I caned some, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to sacrifice some hydration product. We'll worry about that later. So I, Kane some as soon as I got back to the camp to like top myself up um and then yeah like tried dinner was actually not on camp that night it was like five minute little ride away in a not not in a restaurant but like in a space where they could set up um the kitchen I guess that there probably wasn't room on the campsite um had a good feed uh what was what was for dinner that night it was chilly and it was really really good yeah, with all the yeah. extras like chilies and coriander and nachos and oh, it's proper good. The food, to be fair, was like was was pretty good. And there was all like if you wanted three dinners, you, there was three dinners worth of food there. Like you, there was never not enough, which is important, right? Everyone's hungry, so yeah. I think I had two chilies. That totally. Evening. When you do and big always, days like that, yeah, yes, always put in and yeah, it's good, it's real good. Um, yeah, so I was a bit battered and bruised, and uh, but mm -hmm. at that point thought I was, you know, generally all right, just pretty tired. Um, but yeah, yeah, then day five just sort of didn't really go my way. Oh, how did you feel starting that day? Did you start all right, like when you woke yeah, up? Yeah, I felt like physically uh, pretty okay. Like the massage really helped on my shoulder. Like I didn't really feel any massive effects from the crash, which was good. Cause I was worried that I'd be a bit sore from that, but That's generally good. wasn't. Um, so that was super good, but I had really, I just had no energy. Like I felt really, uh, weeks, not really the right word, but just really low. Um, mm. and so we had, we pedaled out of camp 
and we had quite a nice climb. It wasn't a massive day. Hang on, I'm just trying to find the route card. So it was only 940 meters. Oh, I think something got added into that. I think there was another <laughs> road close issue, maybe added a bit in. Um, they've had so many mm. storms in this part of the Alps that literally like roads have fallen off of mountains and all kinds of stuff's gone on. Like it's actually a real mess. Whoa. So one of the days, the camp team, so they're moving the camp every day, obviously in the kitchen and everything gets moved every day. And normally it's not too much of a drive. One of the days for them to get where they were going, because the pass was closed, they had to drive all the way to the coast and back up. It's like a four and a half hour drive <gasps> just for the camp to move, which is oh, ridiculous. Man. Yeah. Which is a big operation anyway, never mind when oh, you have to then drive four hours. For sure. Gosh. Like it's a huge, yeah, huge operation. So uh, it was a good job that it was a long day on the hill because it meant they had enough time to like strike camp, put it <laughs> in the vans, move it and get it built up again and get dinner on the go. But they, they did a mm -hmm. they did a super impressive job, to be fair. Um, but yeah, and then so we rode out. And it, was, it was actually a really nice climb, and I just felt really, I was I felt really empty, and uh, but kept, I was like, I'm just going to keep eating. Like I've been empty before, and food fixed it. Like let's just eat, mm -hmm. eat, 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 and you know, drinking as well. Like not forgetting that. Um, and yeah, I didn't have my wahoo on the bike because I snapped it off in the crash. I snapped them out and everything, and I'd realised oh, how yeah. much I was relying on that to like. A, keep in a like a sensible zone to heart rate as much as I could, but also to like know where I was at on climbing. Like I realized that I was like, I was equating, I was like, right, okay, right, this, this chunk of the ride is like 500 meters climbing. That's like an hour and a half ride locally. That's easy. Like that's, let's just go do an hour, like an hour and a half local ride kind of thing. Or like towards the end of the day, I'd be like, right, 300 meters left. That's like, an hour spin on the local trails like you've got this like it's easy that's all you've got left to do mm. and so I was riding up this fire road and it was quite like it was a nice pedal it was it wasn't too steep it wasn't too hot it was like in the shade it was cool in the morning and uh but I didn't know like how far I had to go didn't know how far I'd been I like kept checking in with Lewis or Bass or whoever's nearby I'm like dude can you let me know what we're on like how many meters have we done because I just didn't know where I was at. And I realized then like how much I'd been relying on that data, like psychologically to sort of get me through the day. Uh, anyway, we got That's to the top really of the interesting, stage. interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it's weird. You don't realize until it's gone, like mm. what it's doing for you. But yeah, it got to the top mm -hmm. of the stage. Um, it was getting pretty hot. We sort of crossed the hill, like into the next valley maybe. And the, like we're into the sun. It's pretty hot, dry. And it was like, probably the rockiest stage of the week at that point and probably the tightest hairpins of the week as you'll know from Trans-Provence a lot of tight hairpins on this sort of riding um it was pretty mm -hmm. awkward and I, I I definitely struggled with it um for sure but got down it I was like mm, all right well it's not my finest performance but let's press on um and so then we had a climb out. Oh, no, we had a shuttle, I think. Yeah, that was it. There was a shuttle mm -hmm. from there. Um, yeah, that was it. There was a shuttle, but it couldn't go as far as it was going to because of road issues. Then we got stuck behind mm -hmm. uh, some people herding goats up the main road for quite a long time, <laughs> which was not ideal. No way. I fell asleep in the uplift, which I I am not good at sleeping on transport. Um, I'm all right sleeping on chairlifts, but not sleeping I was in, ca say. in cars. <laughs> so I, I fell asleep on that, which is not a good sign. Um, and wow. then, yeah, like just really struggled to get going on this climb. And it was hot. It was pretty hot. 
um we had we the sweepers were like basically with us um almost like it's like death with his scythe like walking along behind you <laughs> and anyway eventually like got this coming climb. for you yeah like dropped down into the stage and it was for me anyway it felt really long and really technically hard like really rocky and then the even like the exit from the stage down to where lunch was was like brutal and i was just like getting really sort of confused like muddled um my body just didn't really feel like mine i definitely couldn't ride a bike very well even pushing it i was nearly falling over at points and i was just like i don't think this is good like i think we'd i like it was it became a very easy decision i was like i think i'm done like this isn't i don't feel mm. like me and i don't feel safe like i don't even really feel safe pushing my bike down this stuff let alone like riding and we've got you know two more big stages to do on some of what ash had told us was like the more the most challenging trails of the week um later that day and we were coming into lunch so there's there's the SRAM support there there's the timing guy there mm -hmm. with all the lunch food and stuff and i was like well if i'm gonna fail like this is a good place to do it because i'm not going to make anyone's life harder like no one's got to come in and evac like evac me off the hill somewhere or you know, I'm not having a stupid crash and like having to get a helicopter out of it. I was like, I'm cool. I need to call this. Like, I'm not, this isn't right. I'm going to hurt myself. Like, I think I need to get out. Um, and like I say, I don't massively like quitting things, but it felt like a pretty straightforward decision um, mm. because I just felt so weird. And then I sat, I remember vividly sitting down. There was a chair at the, like the SRAM pit. And I sat down and the skin over my entire body just started tingling. Like literally every centimeter of skin on my body was tingling for like three or four minutes. I was like, am I, am I dying? No way. Like what's going on here? <laughs> this is weird. Death has caught me. Death yeah, has caught me. <laughs> death has literally caught me up. It was so trippy. It was such a strange feeling. Oh man. So I was like, yeah, I'm, this is the right call. Like I'm, I'm done. Yeah. But it was, it was hard. Like, you know bass and lewis were there and they were like are you sure dude like we'll look after you like we'll get you through and i was like nah the, the right thing to do is to stop now before this gets unmanageably dangerous and uh they were like okay yeah you know, you know yourself like i know it's a hard call for you sort of thing but yeah fair play um yeah it was it was yeah it was pretty heartbreaking to stop because I think I got a bit cocky. I was like, well, I've made the halfway point. I've pulled myself out of this hole. Like I just got to keep chipping away and it's done. And it like, and that's the, that's what you hear from other people as well. They're like, just keep going. Like if you get over the halfway yeah. mark, like you'll be good. And then I wasn't like, yeah, I, totally. yeah, I kind of came undone really on that fifth day. Yeah. And it, yeah, you're but when you're, you're feeling like then. that, yeah. And you're, you're putting your, you're putting yourself at a major risk as well. Cause it's not like you're, it's not like you're at a race where every stage kind of ends near something. It's like you're in the mountains, you're in the wilderness. It's like it's quite an extreme scenario. And so yeah. if you're not okay, then it's the consequences are so much higher and it's yeah. just not worth that risk. Like exactly. So a hard decision not a hard decision because it's the right one and it's it was the best thing for you to do, but just 
a sucky, sucky decision to yeah. have to make. You know, yeah, it was. You just it was want a horrible, to finish, don't you? Yeah, it was a horrible decision to make, but it was an easy one. It was an easy decision to make at the end. Like on that yes. earlier in the week when I thought I might have to pull, it wasn't, and it was not. There was no obvious like. It wasn't an easy decision. I was like, should I be going out? Is this okay? Am I gonna? Am I dangerous doing this? This was like, I am dangerous doing this. I need to stop. Like it was a totally different <laughs> feeling, and I knew I knew that needed to be it. Um, but yeah, so close yeah. to the end, really, like day and a half to go, was uh, yeah, it was hard. It was definitely hard. Yeah, and then what happened after that? Once you'd made that call, so yeah, I did it at lunch, um, so that obviously those people are going back to camp. So I got a lift back with a SRAM tech support lot. Um, my bike yeah. just went on one of the uplift trailers for the afternoon um, and, and made its way back that way later on. Um, so yeah, I went back to camp. Um, it was the first day I was back in camp early enough that the sun was out and I could dry some kit. Um, so I got all my wet kit out nice. and, I, and I got all my kit that was dry and all my clothes that were dry, but the wet kit had like soaked into the dry kit, even though they were in separate oh. parts of the bag. So all my kit was damp. So I got that all no. out and dried it, which was amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And then I was like just hobbling around camp and uh, the massage team had set up and they, they saw me walk past and they were like, Chris. And I was like, went over. I was like, what? And uh, they were like, just had a phone call from Lewis. He's booked you in for a 45 minute massage. And I was like, no way. Oh. So Lewis is like out there sweating it away in the race still like got on his phone in the uplift and like messaged the the woman that runs the massage and like stumped up for a 45 minute massage for me, which is like insanely Lewis. kind. What a legend, eh? What a legend. What a guy. Yeah. That is real kindness. Yeah. And, and that's what you see on that event. Cause like you are, mm. you literally, you're having the best times together and you're having the worst times together. Like you suffer together and you have so much fun together that you feel like you know each other super well in such a short space of time. Um, so yeah, little like random acts yeah. of kindness like that are just uh, so cool. Cause you're all in it together. You know, this is like, that's why it's so much more than just, it's not, it's not even really a feeling like a bike race. You know what I mean? It's like an no, experience. It's... it's like a, an adventure together with these people that are all in it for the same reasons to get from A to B and just, experience mountain biking it's like the essence of mountain biking i feel like those that event is you know yeah and and you're all there and you all have to look out for each other because it is wild it's yeah. gnarly and you 100%. all go through highs and lows at different times yeah and such a leveler as well like there's people there that are like you know some of the most senior people in the bike industry like the head of the head of product for santa cruz was racing he's a legit shredder as well like fair play josh is quick you've got you know world champions there tracy mosley miranda miller and then you've got random people you like me and you know bass lewis these guys that just love bikes that are there because they want to you know experience this event and it's a total leveler like everyone's there together everyone's in this like mad adventure everyone has struggles like however good you are like everyone had issues like mm -hmm. you know maybe you broke something on your bike or you know you lost something or whatever like everyone would help everyone else out and it was that element of it was like genuinely like really cool, like really beautiful to see. It's a really nice thing to be part of. You can totally see why people go back like year after year. And some people mm. have done like eight, nine, ten Transprovence Stone King like episodes because you can, yeah, you could easily fall in love with it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And were, were you tempted to try and ride? 
day six or i did i did think about it did you it come cause... round after your amazing massage <laughs> yeah I, kept, I i went back i had like three back-to-back like sachets of hydration products kept getting like good salty fluids in had a good massage very nice dinner that night i think we had barbecue mm. it's really nice with a really good like spicy mm. barbecue sauce very nice um and uh yeah i felt like definitely felt better but i was aware that i was coming back to like a week and a bit of like solid childcare, and you know my wife mm-hmm. her busiest week at work and i didn't want to be injured or totally screwed and not be able to support that and i'm like well you know the race is done like i'm not getting a result i haven't i haven't completed this so yeah it's a day's riding but it's still going to be like a bit of a hollow day like i i didn't actually make it to the beach like i missed this half day so i yeah i made the call to to not try and go out and um try and interview some riders uh which will put those little snippets probably at the end of this uh podcast so people can hear from a few other people not just me and so I took some microphones down to the beach and had a little chat with a few people towards the end, which was really nice to do. And yeah, it was cool to sort of welcome everyone back and congratulate everyone that made it because it is, it's a big undertaking. There was a guy on the race who has raced the Tour de France and he reckons Stone King rallies harder. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's a great stat. <laughs> it's insane, eh? Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing is, right, so you've got all your numbers of, like, the distance and the climbing and stuff like that, but you cannot actually fathom how much all that descending time takes out of you. Like, there's no measure for that at no. all. That yeah. rattling, that constant just getting hammered by the bike the whole time. Like, yeah. twenty over, over 23,000 metres in six days of descending is so much. Yeah, like, so much. And that, that really destroys yeah. the body. Yeah. And you can't, you can't account for like, all right, it's a 65 kilometer day, but you might be pushing your bike for quite a chunk of that. And that's really different. Like it's hard. You don't go out and push your bike for 20 mm-hmm. kilometers, do you? That's not a train. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. It's very, very different to the stats. Yeah. And that's, that's a full body workout on its own, you know? <laughs> Completely. You could be out, you could be out for those 63 Ks, but like you say, you've, you've done so many of them are really slowly because you had to walk for so long. So then the yeah. day blows out. It's, you know, it's, yeah, the numbers, the stats at the end of the day don't really tell you the whole story. Don't trust the stats. <laughs> Learn to understand Don't Ash's, trust the stats. <laughs> Learn to understand Ash's brain and then you might have a chance. And so did you get some, like a bit, you must have had a good chunk of time to sort of reflect on like your experience mm. and like just even in those couple of days while you're still part of the event and stuff like that, were you, how did you, how were you feeling about the whole thing, you know, um, at that point? Like, yeah, pretty positive. Cause I definitely like the first, you know, the first half of the week, I didn't really understand why people loved it as much as they did. And that sounds harsh on the event, mm. which I don't think it should be like it's it is a it is a great event. But I was like, this isn't I'm not feeling what I've heard from other people that have done this event. What's wrong with me? And then it, it gradually, like mm. over a period of time, started to transform as you settle into your like group as you get to know other people around the camp as you have those little chance conversations and find out things about people like away from the race and you know how what makes them tick and you know 
you get to a point where you're like, okay, you know, maybe I can handle this and I'm getting into these stages a bit more and like you're looking up more, taking in the scenery. And then you're like, I kind of love this. <laughs> like, it's really weird. For me, it was a real slow burn. Like, it took me a while to work mm. out what it was all about. Um, and it probably didn't come till like, <coughs> mm, like day three, the late, late day three. And then from there, it just sort of got better and better in a way. And even actually like pulling out of the event didn't make me, that wasn't a negative on how I felt about the event. It was a negative for me, like personally, but even the support mm. that I received for making that decision, like just made me love it all more, if that makes sense. Kind of weird, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just because it's so much more than just, like, it's not really a bike race. It's like, it's so much more than that. It's the whole atmosphere, the vibe, the people, the food, all of it. You guess they're in a little bubble, like, for that whole week. Yeah. And it's good that the that the decision you made didn't tarnish any of that. It just sort of added and reinforced that actually this is... This is about riding and having a good time. Yeah. And if you're not safe to do that, that's totally fine. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you've had a great time until that point. Yeah. Bubble's the right word. You are totally in a bubble and you mm. don't even have the time to like think outside the bubble. Like you don't see the news. You know, I didn't touch a laptop for a week. Like it, that of it, part of it was super cool. You like literally all you have time to do is to be obsessed about riding, eating and sleeping and chatting to these like awesome people from all around the world. That's all you've got time to do. And that's, that's beautiful, right? Yeah. When, do you get the, when do you get the chance to like, a- detach from the world and do that? Totally. And do you feel like you'd want to go back and do it again? Uh, frustratingly, yes, I do. Like <laughs> I, I kind of, I kind of don't want to, I don't want to want to do it again because I'd want to do better which means more prep and better mm-hmm. prep. And it's really bloody hard. Like, I don't think anyone found it easy. Well, yeah. A few people made it look fairly easy to the point where, mm. like, few of them went to karaoke on the penultimate night and were out till, like, half one in the morning and still finished the event. Quite <laughs> impressive. Fair play. I won't, <laughs> I won't name any names. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I do. I do because I've got unfinished business and I loved mm. it and I'd love to see a load of those people again and ride with a load of those people again and meet more similar people. So I would, I mm-hmm. would like to do it again. Uh, it's, it's a hard fit into life, you know, and if you live bikes and that's, and you have plenty of time to ride and you ride lots, it, it I would say it would be relatively easy to get ready for it. Um, mm-hmm. But if you have family or, you know, a busy career or both, it's it's pretty hard. Like I do feel like you need to be at least every now and again doing some really big days on the bike, like you know eight, nine, ten hour days, yeah. Um, to to get ready for something like that. So it's quite an undertaking, I, I think. But it it fits better for some people than others, for sure. Yeah, and do you think like like so say you decided now, right? I'm going to try and get entered into this race. You almost would start training now. Because that would give you more time just because you are so limited on your time to do all the training and stuff like that. If you had a longer, you know, you only found out. I mean, when did you even actually get the yes, you're definitely racing? Because you found out in January, got the opportunity in January. Yeah, it took a while to get it all like signed off and confirmed. I think it was like 
maybe March or something. Whereas if you enter Oof, the event yeah. through like the normal route, I think you probably yeah. know in like maybe September, October timeframe. So I, yeah, I was lucky enough yeah, to get October, through this November. like, yeah, sneaky backdoor kind of thing, um, which I'm super grateful for. Like yeah. massive shout out to Santa Cruz for thinking of me for that. But um, yeah, totally. I, I would, it's the sort of thing you sort of need to be riding like this or with this sort of thing in mind year round really like you need to be have a really good zone two base like a good diesel engine that you can just tick over all day and you need to occasionally like go out for big long days i don't they don't necessarily have to be like super brutal rides but i think you just need to be Mm. out like on your pedals for like 10 hours say like maybe once a month or you know every now and again yeah yeah and was there anything else you'd change to prepare for it yeah loads <laughs> i wouldn't go really to, really I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to a world cup the week before um yeah well yeah okay yeah <laughs> i would go but you had to work so <laughs> yeah 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 true i would ideally go in with more energy but there we go that's just uh that's just life um mm-hmm. yeah definitely find time yeah. to do some big days of riding i would take a lot more hydration product with me because mm-hmm. i was rationing that and i think that was probably what undid me towards the end of it i think there was a fatigue a building fatigue throughout the week which probably compounded that as well uh i would definitely take some dry bags to put wet kit in so i had enough kit but you basically you pack your bag every morning and your bag goes in a van and moves from camp to camp so all your wet kits in with all your dry kits so if, even though they were in separate compartments in the bag it all just like soaks through eventually and all your stuff, even your like civvies that you put on when you get home in the evening are like damp, Ugh. which is disgusting. But, you know, there were people with only one pair of shoes. So I was pretty lucky at least I had two pairs of shoes. So, yeah, um, definitely uh, do that. And also, I think unless you're super fit and you're just li- you're smashing out and getting back early anyway. I chatted to a few other people and was like, how like I'd fi- I need to get back earlier so that I can sit down and like not actually just have some rest because I don't feel like I rested all week other than when I was asleep. Um, And Mm -hmm. the advice was like, when you get to like a pickup, like don't wait, literally just get there, put your bike in a van and then worry about that later. Like don't hang about because it's quite easy to be like, get there. You're like, oh, just go and like switch this round in my bag or just eat this chewy bar and then we'll load up or whatever and then maybe you miss a shuttle and you wait a couple of minutes for the next one or and then that the second one gets stuck behind a goat herd on the road you know it's that kind of stuff where you can Mm -hmm. actually like lose quite a lot of time in your day so without necessarily being any fitter i think i could put myself higher up in the day and get back a bit early earlier i did i'd like to be fitter as well so that i can get around faster um Mm -hmm. but yeah i think you could just like be a bit more like slick through the transition parts of the day just to keep things moving like lunch as well like don't really stop too too long at the lunch stops tempting to like have a bit of a sit down and have a load of food and a chat and then more people come in and then you start chatting to them and you know what i mean you can lose like 40 minutes over lunch where you could probably do it in 10 and then you've got half an hour back in your day so yeah little things like that um I would take a different bag. I had like a massive bag because I had all the stuff for Lear Gang as well, which is really too big mm-hmm. and too heavy and awkward. So I take like a smaller bag. I take a washing line, I think, 
Um, Marcel, who's in the tent next to me all week, because the tents are all numbered by your race number, so you're always with the same people. Um, he took a little bit of like washing line. Super good idea. Fair play, he let me hang some stuff on it as well, but it was too late in the day, really. It was too damp for anything to dry. But mm. every fence on every campsite is just covered in like stinky wet kit. So if you've got a little bit of washing <laughs> line that you can yeah. tie to your tent or a pole or something, you can dry kit. Um, yeah, I think those are the main things. Just and really have like everything really accessible and clear so that like packing and unpacking, which you're doing every morning and every night, is really easy for yourself because you're tired. Mm-hmm. You want to know exactly where everything is. And as the week evolves, like you're getting more wet kit, less clean kit. Like I think you need to, th- I would like to think that through and think about how that works in whatever bag I take. Like I just found yeah. that I was like, where's, oh, where's that gone? Or like, and you get more tired and then you get slack and you just throw stuff in. And then you regret it when you pick your bag up that evening. You're like, oh man, where did I put that? Or like, <laughs> oh no, I've put it in with all this and it's all wet and like, yeah, little things, just process. Like I was chatting to Jeff, um, who has done, I think, mm. like 10 of these things. Um, really, Jeff Callum. Yeah, yeah, really cool guy. Uh, works at Red Bull Racing, very cool job. Um, in fact, there's three guys from Red Bull there. Very cool so they guy. were, They're a nice bunch. But yeah, Jeff's mega and obviously like wow. engineer, super smart, super organised. He's got his little checklist mm-hmm. and knows exactly what he's doing all the time, like always on top of it. Yeah. Um, I'd probably take a couple of bike cleaning things. I didn't really think about that side of it. So I literally just showed a hose to my bike and hope for the best. Like I didn't take a brush or anything like that. Um, mm. So my bike didn't look particularly spick and span, but it was functional. I changed the brake pads halfway through the week, which was a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then just not, don't, don't like believe, don't, don't base what you think a day is going to be like on the stats. Like be prepared for it to be a lot harder than it looks on paper. And then you won't be disappointed i think yeah yeah mint nice good hot tips well done by the way well done thanks mate because that that sounded absolutely savage like to do the first couple of days and just be like oh man i've gone real deep already and i don't know whether i can carry on to just turn that around and keep it going and then just making the smart call being like yep that's it. I've pushed. I've pushed to my absolute limit, I and mean, then that's satisfying in itself. You know what I mean? Like you found that. That's great. <laughs> I, and I didn't. I didn't realize at the time, like probably quite how deep I'd gone. Um, but I've yeah. sort of subsequently realized um, now that we're a month on, and um, only just this mm-hmm. week, seemingly managing to do any form of very very gentle exercise without going backwards. Um, which really? has properly shocked and scared me a little bit, to be honest. Like I, I knew I'd be yeah. tired and I was like, I'd sort of plan to like, you know, try, I'd, I'd like batched some podcast stuff so that I didn't have to do too much recording when I got home and like had a load of basically laptop yeah. work. So I knew that like, okay, well I'd get Robin off to nursery cause Kerry's week's going to be busy. Get Robin off to nursery, come home, like literally just sit in bed all day on a laptop do laptop stuff try not to move around more than i need to and then go and pick her up play with her for a bit put to bed by friday which is the day that i have with her like all day i'll be fine i was absolutely ruined after a day with a three-year-old on that first friday and i'd been back you know a week and uh yeah i I think i'd like the second week i tried i did like one short e-bike ride i ended up 
in turbo i literally just did one lap of the hill locally came home so i was just like i'm tired tried to do a zone two ride in the garage i lasted three and a half minutes and my body told me to get off so i got off <laughs> and honestly it's been like i was really shocked um yeah yesterday i did a zone one e-bike road ride for 40 minutes and it actually felt okay and uh didn't wake up feeling worse this morning nice. which is good and then i've just done half an hour zone two in the garage this afternoon and feel okay i'll see how i feel tomorrow but um yeah, just trying to like well get get my body going again. But yeah, it's four weeks and um I've felt an extremely offended body. Your body <laughs> is like, what was that? It was it was a bit of a shock. I mean I How went, dare you? Yeah. Literally went from three hours being the longest ride to race like we did twenty three hours in the first two days, you know, like in conditions that my body's mm. not used to as well. I I am a heavy sweater. Yeah. So the temperature gets up high, the altitude like if you're from the UK, you're not used to that. Um, yeah, I I definitely um, I I spent more tokens than I thought I'd spent. Basically, like I thought I thought a week or so and I'd be all right. Um, and actually, my appetite's only just sort of returned to normal as well. Like this week's the first time I've not been eating everything I can see. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a strange month. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, have you been really it. hungry for a month? <laughs> yeah, really hungry stupidly hungry yeah wow yeah even though i've not been doing anything oh like, man yeah crazy so i yeah i understand like this like when athletes talk about kind of burnout and overtraining and i think i've started to like understand some of that stuff just a little bit more and it's it's pretty horrible like it's not a good mm. place to be like mentally it's not nice because you're used to being active you like being active that's what fuels you and suddenly you're like I was I was questioning like is this all in my head like what's going on here like am I actually still tired can I really still be tired from this um and yeah like but I think it's turned the corner so fingers crossed mm. well when when you come back from doing something like that and then you go straight back into real life and like playing with a three-year-old is hard work they need a lot <laughs> yeah. of attention you know what I mean like and it, doing going through all of that you know you're not actually resting so it's like if if you would taken away from, you know all your family stuff all your work and stuff like that and you'd actually been able to rest fully for a whole week then yeah you probably would have come around a lot quicker but mm. because you're spending so much time and energy having to do normal real life stuff it really ekes out that recovery yeah. time yeah, so, definitely. It's been hard. Four yeah. weeks is probably pretty normal when you've got a lot of other life things happening okay, and maybe. you've just gone to full dead yeah. end road. That feels that feels physical better. and yeah. mental. Yeah. yeah. I spoke to someone else at the weekend so. as, as well, said like some like even you know, fit cross country athletes after a big like week long event, it can take a couple of months to be like fully recovered and like able to train properly hard again. So that made me feel a bit yeah. better because I was starting to question whether I was like mad or ill. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure, but um, I think yeah. I'm going to be right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You've done the right thing. You just listen to your body and just keep, okay, done a little bit, feel all right. Okay, sweet. Like we can maybe do a wee bit more. Oh, don't feel so good. Just bring it back a bit and you will come round. You yeah, will come we'll round. get there. We'll a month there. is still not that long. <laughs> okay, good. Really. <laughs> Thank you. Feel You're better. all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some uh, listener questions so hopefully we've covered quite a lot of them already um, but what kit did you take that you were really stoked with 
Uh, I was quite lucky. There was quite a bit of good stuff, I think, that made the experience um, Mm -hmm. better. Uh, The Nomad Fair Play is a really good bike. I I was enjoying riding it here and it it looked after me out there as well. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Really good bit of kit. Magura Brakes, MT7 Pros. They've been my go-to for a while now, but yeah, they got me through the week. I was never left wanting for brakes. And then, yeah, brake pads swap halfway through the weeks to some freshies and yeah without i didn't do anything to them like they've got a bleed before i went out um that ote super carbs powder was really impressive like 80 grams of carb in a 500 ml bottle of water is insane it makes it way easier to get the amount of carbs in that you need it's like an hour's worth of carbs in one bottle which is really easy to consume and it tastes i had the lime lemon and lime one it's pretty good tastes pretty nice uh couple of bits uh, I, I rode in fox kit and there was a it was all good but there's a couple of bits that shone out the fox union flat shoes um i took two pairs of those one of which was pretty much brand new like not really ridden in i've maybe done one or two short rides in it and i've never pushed a bike so much um and i had no blisters no rubbing no issues which is pretty impressive in a pair of shoes that's not really designed for hiking up mountains pushing a bike in um so props to those and the pro frame rs helmet from mm-hmm. fox also wicked bit of kit some people were using quite heavy duty full faces and then it's getting really hot and like i always feel a bit stuffy in them some people had removable chin guards which is obviously good but it's a faff and then like you've got to carry the chin guard and take it on and off all the time that rs is like super airy super light kind of feels like a trail lid but it's downhill certified um so mm-hmm. that was wicked it's also really light um evoc trail pro 16 with the back protector in it uh as my pack i think it was the perfect size it was like it was a tight fit to get everything in i wanted but it made you made sure you kind of didn't overpack your pack um and we had Mm -hmm. to have i can't remember if it's for france or italy but one of those countries you have to race with a back protector um so actually having the protector built into the pack was super easy it means you're not like wearing a sweaty protector all the time. Um, so that was a, a really useful piece of kit. Um, I bought a 76 Projects 3D printed mount for my Wahoo to put it on the top tube. Um, that got a mm-hmm. lot of love from people. They were like, ooh, where's that from? Um, so yeah, shout out 76 Projects. They also uh, do a crash replacement scheme, which is useful if you slam it into a load of rocks and knock Ooh. it off. Um, so that was cool. Um, nice, good. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a set of the SRAM um, GX transmission uh, for the race, which is before it actually launched. So I had to cover it in gaffer tape so no one could see what it was. Um, but again, that was faultless. Like I definitely hit, some rocks with it like there's some pretty serious marks on the derailleur cage um mm-hmm. it worked all week it worked on one battery never needed to change the battery um so yeah that those were like the highlights i mean awesome I, everything was pretty good to be fair like modern bikes and modern kit can, mm-hmm. you, can you imagine that like 20 years ago your bike could have been in bits after the first day but now you just yeah totally. spray it with some water and keep trucking yeah. <laughs> Minimal maintenance, I'll just go again. No problem. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> was there anything you took that you weren't impressed with or just that you just didn't need that you wouldn't take again? Um I didn't need my tick card, but that's just luck. Um you yeah. definitely could have done. Um so yeah, having some way a card mm-hmm. or tweezers for getting ticks out, I would still take 
Um, oh, Factor 50 spray on sun oil. That was an absolute winner. Super easy to put on mm. and like put it on twice a day and you don't get burnt. Like a lot of people are getting burnt. Um, so yeah, that was good. Sorry. Oh yeah, we're on the list of things that didn't work. Um, that, what only really yeah. frustrating thing was because this the SRAM GX was pre-launch, the and I don't have access to the beta version of the phone app. I couldn't enable the multi shift mm-hmm. on the pods, so I could. I had to, every time I wanted to shift a gear, I had to press like the shifter individually. I couldn't like hold the button down and let it click through multiple gears which is a re- actually a really, really good function. And I've got it now because like, they launched it, what, two weeks ago, and I straight away went and enabled mm-hmm. the multi-shift and it feels incredible. Um, so it's just a bit frustrating that I couldn't get that um, while I was out there. I don't think, other than that, I don't think there was really anything that I took that I didn't use. I thought the hat with the like neck protector and everything on it was going to be overkill, but that came in super handy like for hiking in really hot climbs. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, don't think so. Everything was pretty nice, well useful. packed. Good job. Yeah, consider, <laughs> considering it was a first time, I'm pretty mm. happy with it. Yeah, I would definitely take less in general, but most of the stuff that I had that I didn't want at the event was stuff that I'd had to take the week before for Lear Gang. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. wasn't yeah. really like that I'd made a, a bad call for Stone King. I think I did have mm-hmm. some help. Like a shout out to Rob Weaver who uh, works for Bite Radar MBUK. Uh, he'd raced last year, so he uh, gave some advice. Good friend Johnny is on the downhill team with us this year. He's raced Trans Provence in the past, so he had a lot of lot to offer with oh, things nice. to take. So, yeah, had some good people like help out with top tips, and like I said, Stone King send a pretty good packing list too. Perfect. That's that's awesome. And the next one is, what odd things did you consume? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it was anything too odd. Um, I did get quite into sour sweets. <laughs> there was um, there was always sweets, Ooh. like jelly sort of sweets in the lunch thing, like and you could just scoop loads into a bag. And I just found that the mm. like the sour, really sugary sweets were like really easy for me to consume because I struggle to eat like like I w- I'd take a baguette every day because you get one at camp and I'd always really struggle to eat it. Like I can eat flapjacks and sweet things. I can eat gels generally fine. And I did actually took some super carb gels from OT, which were good. Um, but yeah, I found those sweets were like really easy to eat and they gave me almost instant energy. So mm. like towards the end of days, I was like, every time I stopped, I'd just have a couple of these sweets and it just kind of kept me, felt like it kept me going. It was like really easy access easy to consume energy so i wouldn't normally do that i hate sweets oh you hate not, sweets i'm not wow. I, hate's a strong word but i'm not but a sweets they're... i'm not a sweets guy <laughs> not a sweets guy unless you're you're several days deep into a massive yeah, bike mission <laughs> exactly and then i'm all about the sweets <laughs> all about the sweets <laughs> um how much hike a bike is there really um i would say it depends on how strong and fit you are um, so we were definitely mm-hmm. pushing some bits where other people would pedal past, but then there are definitely, okay. definitely sections of trail that everyone would be pushing and or carrying the bike on. Um, I would say it's a lot of it is quite rideable. Probably the vast majority, like a high percentage is rideable, especially if you've got strong legs. So like Ben Arnott is, you know, a very strong fit rider. And he was mm-hmm. often like pedaling past us on stuff that we'd be walking up. Um, yeah, there is, there's more hiker bike than any sane human would like. I think like no one loves pushing or carrying <laughs> a bike up stuff. I don't think I've never met anyone that does anyway. Um, 
but you kind of get mm-hmm. you get used to it after a while, and it's it's part of the adventure. I think it's kind of cool. Like if you're having to carry your bike up something, it means you're going somewhere exciting, doesn't it? Yes, that's true. Somewhere less travelled, eh? Mm. And someone's asked, is it fun for amateurs or is it just super gnarly? I would say it's definitely not super gnarly. Like like I said, there's nothing nothing really mega dangerous. Well, it depends how you look at it. There was no trail features that were mega dangerous. There was mm. definitely some big drops off the side of tracks in certain places. That was the really exposed <laughs> stuff was was mentioned and was signed. So it's your, you know, your decision as to how fast you want to try and go through there. Um, most of the mm-hmm. riding is relatively okay for someone who rides a bike a decent amount. There was nothing like mega, mega steep. There was nothing mega, mega tech. Um, if you're good at riding really tight hairpins, that's obviously going to help because there is a lot of that. It's just the mountains. That's what happens. Um, I mean, it's not, it wouldn't be your first mountain bike event. It's not like you rode a green run at Landegla last week and then you go ride Stone King. But I think if you're a fit person who rides a lot on varied terrain and has maybe been to the Alps once or twice and was okay with it, you'd be totally fine. Like there's nothing mm. super gnarly is not a way I would use to describe the riding. The event, I would say, is pretty gnarly in the grand scheme. But yeah, not the riding's pretty okay. Mm-hmm. And how does it compare to EWS in terms of difficulty, fun and scare factor? Uh it's way more difficult because it's like EWS mm. on speed six days in a row instead of EWS two days. Yeah. I mean, I've only done the EWS in Tweed Valley. I reckon, I mean, you can tell me, I'd say that was probably one of the easier EWSs. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I can tell you that, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> thought that would probably be the case. Um, the tracks are... In, a, in some spots, a little more difficult than some of what we rode at that, but on the whole, not. Um, fun. Mm-hmm. The EWS was more obviously fun. The Stone King Valley was more fun that you had to uncover and earn, I would say. Like it, like I said earlier, the fun wasn't obvious in the first few days in a way because it was so challenging and, and like physically hard. But the fun is definitely there to be had. It's a, it's a wicked week. Um, scare factor, mm, mm-hmm. I didn't feel scared other than like intimidated by going out on the epic days. There wasn't like a fear on any of the tracks. Most of the bits where, or in fact, all the bits where there was warnings of exposure, like I rode past them and was like, oh, I'm not too worried about that. Like nothing, it wasn't like Mm. some of these mad like YouTube videos that you see of people riding with these huge drops off the side of like ridgelines and stuff. It was, I didn't feel, I didn't feel at risk really at any point. Not properly, not not of more than just a normal bike crash. Yeah, well, that's meant. That's really good. Um, are the logistics of the event run well? Uh, yes, exceptionally so, I would say. <laughs> and I, I mean, I guess they've been yeah. doing it for a while and I can't speak for, for what it was like in the early days and whether they've learned the hard way or whether they just got it right from the start. But I mean, there's, I don't know how many staff, but it's got to be close to like, one member of staff for every two riders i would say like when you take in like massage camp kitchen staff drivers like um sweepers all that kind of stuff like it's a pretty huge operation um Mm -hmm. and yeah camp was always there and always you know ready to go when we got back food was always plentiful and good um 
nothing went missing. Like everyone's bikes and bags were always where they should be. As far as I know, anyway, I didn't, I didn't see anyone with any issues. Um, there's always plenty of space to charge things up in the evening on the most ridiculous table of phones and bike computers <laughs> yeah. and e-bike batteries and all sorts of stuff that was like, I think on one night running off one socket somewhere in an underground garage. I don't know how it was working, but it was it was working. Um, yeah, no, fair play. Like massive respect to everybody that works that event because it's, it's a lot of work. It's brutal, but everyone was in high spirits and on good form. And um, yeah, it was always nice to come back to camp actually and see smiling faces. And like, there was always a bit of banter. Like the guy that, that washes all the pots is like the most upbeat dude ever, like always had some good banter. <laughs> it's just what you need, right? When you get back and you're tired and mm-hmm. you know, you're feeling it, you know, you got to go again the next day to come back to a load of smiling faces and some good food is, um, is really nice. Oh man, it's next level. I can confirm as well. Whenever I did it, it was run extremely well. So it's. I think it has to they be. They are right? just. Oh man, massively! It's yeah. a massive logistical operation, and it's got so like when they're changing the tracks on the fly and everything like that. Like they've got to be so on it, and it just mm. it always just works. Yeah, it's. I, I couldn't when I did it. I couldn't believe it either. I was just like. How is this happening so well? You it's guys incredible. are nailing this. There's yeah. so many things going on. Yeah. And they nail it. Yeah, fair play. Massive props to them. Yeah. Um, what did you learn? Uh I've learned that I could be better prepared, but I don't think I could have been better prepared having not done it before. I think I did the best preparation that I could and I've you know, I've learned now what I need mm-hmm. to change. Um I learned how hard I can push myself. Um, like I said, I did think it was done at the end of day two, but it wasn't, and we got through that. And I think there are definitely ver- you know prior versions of me that would have given up at the end of day two, um, but the current version of myself didn't and wouldn't. And uh, I'm really glad that I didn't, because um, some of the experiences, or you know, all of the experiences beyond that were were great. Um, and then I just learned how cool people are and bike and riders are, right? Like literally everyone on the event was sound. Everyone looked after everyone. Everyone had a smile on their face, however hard things were. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. And it just it just reminds you like, yeah, how lucky we are to be part of this sport and how, how broad this sport is, right? Like you get, I get, certainly for what I do, my job, I guess I get, you know, quite dragged into like, the race or you know the more traditional race element like edr downhill that side of things and you you can lose sight of the fact that bikes are an awesome tool to go out and have a wicked adventure as you know coming off the back of what you've been up to in scotland for the last week or so like i think sometimes we lose sight of that like ability to just go out in the hills and have an adventure and maybe get a bit lost or find new trails and i think ash does a really good job of reminding us that that is an option to us and that it's actually a really sick way to spend some time on a bike with a good bunch of people so yeah i think that's what i learned a bit of a reminder as to why bikes are so cool really awesome well well done and congratulations for getting through that (laughs) and just experiencing just an awesome week on on two wheels Thank you. And thanks yeah. for sharing your experience and letting oh. me interview you. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for uh, dragging it out of me. It's been uh, it's been super fun chatting. And it's nice to chat to someone else that 
has been mm. through it before, but also, you know, understands like how some of this stuff feels, I guess. Like I think you've been through like mm. big holes of uh, digging yourself deep and like then finding your way back out of them in the past. So it's kind of reassuring to like hear you say, well, that maybe a month isn't that long and like, it's uh yeah it's been really nice yeah. so yeah thanks katie i appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat about it my pleasure it's awesome hearing about it again because those events were some of the best weeks of my mountain biking life so it's great to to hear your side of it and uh reminisce it's great nice you need to get your stone king rally 2024 entry in then eh <laughs> yeah i do i do i need to get back i need to come back i've only done transfervance i need to see what this stone king's all about mm. thanks for giving me some insight <laughs> good stuff thanks katie cheers all right that's it for my story but let's hear it from a few other people who tackled this year's stone king rally ben arnott here we are stone king 2023 camp zero uh first off just give us a bit of the the motivation to be here like what drove you to enter stone king I think I've seen the Trans-Provence for years and years and uh, saw the, it was, a, you know, not on for a couple of years with COVID and then last year, the Stone King first year, uh, I actually tried to get into that one, didn't make the cut because uh, it worked with the race season last year. It's going to be able to do it. Uh, and yeah, because you were mechanicing with Canyon Factory last year. Yeah, yeah, for Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this year I just tried again and got it and yeah, it's my first year not mechanicing for a while, so figured i'd do something for myself perfect yeah. yeah and how's the preparation been like have you done anything specific to try and be ready for it all i've done i mean i ride quite a lot anyway so i've just tried to do tried to do some consecutive long days okay. whereas i'd normally have just naturally have a day off after a big day but i've tried to do a big day and then get back on it the next day yeah and then i've just done i've chosen rides which have needed a bit of hike biking Okay, fair a, play. That's what some people who've done it before told me that there is quite a lot of hiker biking. Yeah, I've heard a bit of pushing and hiker biking yeah. is not a bad thing to train for. Totally. Yeah. So, so how are you feeling? You've been out for a little shakedown ride today. Yeah, we went a little ride. Just they they put on a a little route that we could follow, and um, it was yeah quite a it was a super nice ride. Yeah, like uh, really scenic, and uh, the descent was fun. It was very tight Euro switchbacks, which is kind of exactly what I expected. I'm honest, so it's good to like practice those because I'm sure it won't be the last ones that we do this week for sure. Yeah, nice. Ready to go then? I think so. Yeah, it's kind of the not the hardest thing, but a hard thing is that you're you have very little stuff with you. So I'm kind of like working out of this tent like we all are and um, I don't know where everything is I don't know if I have everything and I'm quite excited to get going tomorrow just to like get all that stuff in my bag and hopefully hopefully I've got everything <laughs> fingers crossed nice yeah. man well we'll uh, try and catch up later in the week but hope yeah. it goes well cheers Jeff Calum you're a bit of a a veteran of all of this how many trans provinces and stone kings have you done now well i did um 10 trans provinces ten. how many yeah. were there there weren't many more were there, there? i think there might have been 12 okay so anka has actually got the she's done a similar amount to me okay so yeah anka martin so yeah yeah and um i've done quite a lot of mine with with her oh, that nice. was great so yeah yeah and um yeah um i kind of really it was one of those things where you saw the videos and massive FOMO, so applied, <laughs> and then actually got a place, and it was so like really, really pleased to actually get the place, yeah. And um, got really stuck into the training and really enjoyed just having something to to sort of you know you get a year or about, around about a year to kind of get you get into it and yeah. 
really enjoyed that kind of getting ready and did the event and then um, actually had, had quite a big accident on a liaison oh, no way. hurt myself a bit but it's kind of muddled through yeah. and then um, but then really wanted to come back and you know have another go it's yeah. like whenever you do anything you always think <laughs> oh, if I did it again I could do it better do it better yeah, yeah. and so um, I applied applied to come back but didn't yeah. get us didn't get a spot but was on the wait list and yeah. then um, so I put Ash in my favourite so as soon as he got an email because the way it was written it was sort of going to be you know if you the first one to respond yeah. we'll, we'll get the spot so just always waiting for that email and then it one came in I replied and got a spot so but I was kind of training as if I was going to do it so yeah. I got a second one and then after that it became it came a bit a bit easier to get you know to, nice to, you're a known face they know you can make it round yeah and, but I still had yeah. to go through the you know admission process yeah. and everything but yeah I got I got I became you know, it became more of a regular thing yeah. and that was good yeah so amazing yeah yeah, yeah and so how do you feel about the like evolution of it into Stone King then because you did Stone King last year no I didn't I couldn't ah. do Stone King so I actually I had this an entry for Stone one. King and um, I um, herniated a disc in my ah, back man. last year so it, it took me out for quite a bit so yeah. it was just a couple of weeks before it was one of those silly things where I um, hadn't probably done as much training as I wanted to thought I could make up so went a bit heavy and in the gym and, yeah. and then hurt my back a little bit and then ignored it and then you know and then I ended up giving myself quite a big injury so yeah. you know you need to look after yourself really and so first stone king then yeah this is my first stone king yeah yeah, so, yeah. and so you've obviously got it down to a bit of a fine art like how do you approach your training for this because it's pretty unique event right we've just finished day one and yeah i'm, I'm smoked yeah so. i think i think it's an event where you need a really really big base yeah so if you want to get all geeky about it you just need lots of like time in zone of zone two really yeah um it's it's pretty hard for most people that you know live in a you know a worker in a working job that don't normally live by the mountains so getting time on your bike is, is um can be a bit tricky so yeah tend to be early part tends to be just building some good base so you can do those back-to-back days and days like we've done today where yeah you need to be able to spin away and and try and keep yourself fresh so and then whenever you can getting off to wales or where, wherever you can and, and trying to arrive with people that are a little bit quicker with you to try to pull <laughs> yourself along and uh, yeah so I've d- i also did tr- manage to get some um, enduro world series races in oh, but nice. just really just doing them for fun and just practice racing yeah but it's it, but going back to the Trans-Provence thing or the Stone King kind of once you've done one then you've kind of got the big bag and all the kit and you kind of know the process yeah so it gets a little bit like every people that start of it they can it's um you know it can be a bit when you do your first one it's a bit overwhelming because you read all the rules and you're like I don't really know where I'm going and how big can my bag be and what should I take a spare yeah. how many tires and when we first started doing it people were because the bikes weren't the same as they are now you know as, as you know the bikes yeah. just evolved so quickly and people were you know not making it through your know, bikes were coming back in a broken <laughs> bits and Mavic were rebuilding wheels overnight and and now most people just come back and it's a little wiped down and yeah uh, a little rinse yeah maybe maybe a bit of crash damage or yeah. something like that and yeah it's, it's, it's pretty impressive it's so. pretty impressive isn't it yeah, yeah. no I like the the camar- camaraderie in the pit's been good like I yeah. yeah first year I have no idea what I'm doing yeah my next door neighbor's obviously done it before and he's had a bit of string ready for a washing line between the tents so yeah it's been cool. Like it's nice being in the camp. Eh? There's what eighty nine riders. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. got their own little tent. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the things that makes me come back. Actually, is that camaraderie. This, you know, there's it's a small enough group that you probably get to have a chat to at least everybody. Just at least even if it's just a hey, you doing, and everyone's yeah. it's just a load of like minded people. Everyone's just out here to have a good time, and it, it is a really really good time. So yeah, yeah, everyone's stoked on bikes. Yeah, Let, we'll talk a bit about today. So it was three stages. Today. Yeah, three stages. Uh, two uplifts. I think we did. Th- over 3,000 metres of descent and 16, 1,700 metres of climbing. Yeah, I haven't looked at all the stats, but yeah, yeah. that sounds about right, yeah. Pretty mad, eh? And yeah. uh, we started off in France. Yep. 
did a stage in Italy and then came back to France, I think. I think I think the first one was in France. Yeah. And then um, and then we were in, into Italy. So yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It, I was blown away by like the variation in the terrain. So we we were chatting just briefly before we hit record. Like we raced stage two. Yeah. In this like from high alpine down through this incredible meadow like beautiful yeah. that's so fast at the bottom of that yeah. trail well the start had actually been lowered hadn't it because yeah. of the snow so we had to like push our way through a little bit of snow to start with yeah and then he started on that ridge and the trail itself was quite it was quite fast yeah and um, a few blind little crests he had to lots of line a lot, a lot of head up yeah and it's that normal thing where you're going around the outside and thinking oh i probably could have just <laughs> cut this one a little bit or i didn't need to break as much as i did but because yeah. it's blind you just that's part of the fun of this blind racing you know it's yeah you know it's just got to be got to keep your head up and, uh, and and keep going and then also leave that behind you can't make any time up yeah know? well if you try to make time up then normally you make a mistake and <laughs> kind of goes wrong but like you said it was really really good good uh, and, we, and we started to get down into the trees in that one didn't we so we got a bit yeah. of loam yeah it was, and it was loamy good. and like and nicely supported turns and yeah. then that last meadow bit where it was like it was fast. Just fast, eh? It was real like, fast. But it still had turns. Like, yeah. It wasn't just a straight line through the meadow. Yeah. It was proper good. Yeah. I think Ash had done a bit of work, he said, on that bit in the lower yeah. bit. So there were a few corners that held you nicely. You came in and it was well, really good. And you could see there was lots of... like The dirt was just nice, wasn't it? It was like hero dirt, probably, really. Yeah, he had done a good job. And then it was yeah. mad. Like We literally came off that trail 20-odd yeah. degrees, got in the vans for the last uplift of the day yeah. and drove straight up into the cloud, full white out. Yeah. And then, yeah, the last stage of the day was like crossing rivers that were pretty full of water it was wet slippery yeah. like quite janky in yeah, spots navigation like, totally was, different. was pretty tricky on that one it was yeah hard to keep your again you have to keep your head up but this time yeah. looking for like the tape and stuff because yeah. it's not yeah I guess it's worth explaining that the stages aren't fully taped like there's a fairly obvious line yeah and then there's bits of tape on rocks and trees and stuff to just give you an indication that you're going the right way but yeah yeah you're, you're generally following kind of some kind of footpath so often you also get you know the little red and white stripes yes I sometimes they're a the little rocks. they're a good yeah. little clue as well but you can no normally you can if you look far enough in the distance you can see a little bit of tape or an arrow but on that one it was really difficult yeah and, uh, and actually i was quite fortunate that there were some people that were slightly ahead of me so i kind of I was following them. Hopefully, they were going the right way. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's a risky thing to follow somebody else. But you know, you, you are looking for the tire marks and and the tape and lots of clues to try to like yeah. piece it all together to go. Oh, that's the right way. Yeah, yeah. proper puzzle, eh? Because yeah, it, it literally you couldn't see more than a few feet in front of you. No, in parts of it was. Yeah, and the, and the ground underneath was quite rough. And if yeah. you went off the path, it was also quite rough. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was it was good. It was a tricky one. Yeah. And I think there's not that many that are that raw. That was that was a good one, but. Some people really like those ones. Some people really hate them. I think if you're if you're racing properly and taking it seriously, that's maybe a, a bit of a frustrating one because you can lose a lot of time there. But when for people that are racing it for fun, like me or maybe yourself, yeah. then yeah, yeah. you know it's quite it's a bit different, a bit of a challenge. You probably wouldn't tell your mates to go back and ride it because it's a really good trail. But having ridden it in a, in a stage, it was actually quite a good fun. Yeah, you know? it was. It was a good challenge for sure. And then yeah, it's cool. Everyone comes back and. Uh, and the, the liaison beer, the beer was quite, flowed. The liaison, yeah, the liaison was, was, it was great, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah there really was a nice. really awesome rock section coming back quite yeah. near to here. Yeah. Near to the and nice meadows with all the like, all the meadow flowers. Yeah. Uh, maybe it doesn't sound like the sort of thing we're going to talk about, but you know, the scenery is really nice it here. It is you know, absolutely stunning. It's a nice part yeah. of the world. So, and yeah. it rooted through, I don't know what the town was, but we rode through like a really old yeah, town. So, yeah, with all the big slate roofs. Yeah. And, yeah. That was where they all sheltered last year, I think, when they had the big storm. Uh, Unfortunately, okay. we didn't get any of that today. We've so. been lucky. Yeah, the weather's weird, eh? Like, because yeah. it's quite, it's not cold, but. No, I think we're in the clouds, really. So it's, it's, yeah, it's okay. keeps just wanting to rain and then it doesn't. So. Yeah, drying kit's the biggest challenge tonight, that, I think. Yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll have a go. 
yeah. and we'll get some dinner down us, kindly provided by the awesome kitchen staff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll have a go again tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, cool. Sweet. Nice one, Jeff. Cheers, Cheers mate. Cheers, thanks. All right, it's the end of day three of the Stone King Rally, and uh, anyone who's listening to this might realise they didn't hear from me. At the end of day two, um, I was pretty deep in the hurt locker, I think, from probably under fueling a day and was pretty spaced out and just wanted to go to bed. I'm here with Lewis, who I've spent the day riding with. Lewis, you had a pretty similarly horrific experience yesterday evening. Tell me a bit about how you yeah, felt. Yeah, um, unfortunately I did. I was also in the hurt locker, um, kind of for a different fueling reason, um, kind of serious dehydration, drinking too much water, sweating a lot, not replacing any salts. Um, and that kind of caught me by surprise at about 10 and a half hours into our 12 and a half hour day. <laughs> it was a big one, eh? <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, just had to kind of stop and thankfully one of the media crew noticed that I was in a bit of a state and handed me some uh, rehydration, rehydration sachet, which nice. was, uh, yeah, I've been receiving some pretty good help from yeah. people that I wouldn't have thought would have, you know, yeah. been been around to, cool, to protect eh? me, basically. Yeah, shout out Sven Mart. And you also had an, the angel Tracy Mosley arrive and help you one of the yeah, days, right? Yeah, basically all my uh, MTV Instagram heroes. So yeah, Sven helped me out with rehydration and Tracy uh, appeared as if by magic out of the woods with a pair of pliers <laughs> so I could bend my rear rotor. Uh, into something straight enough to do the last 7k of the first day amazing so a little bit uh bizarre experiences but really good fun <laughs> it's super cool and i think yeah we'll talk a bit about it. i think this is all about the people for me absolutely but, um, yeah how are you feeling this morning because i was a shell of a man before breakfast yeah this morning uh kind of touch and go as to whether i thought i'd make it up the first ascent yeah. but i just thought you know i'm here so press on uh get the zinc and magnesium in and more diorolite uh, all day and just see if you can kind of not scratch on the day that you want to scratch and kind of yeah. see it through to the next day you probably will turn yeah uh turn a page and feel okay so yeah, yeah just kind of pushed on and then caught you at the back and yeah. thought this guy looks like i feel so <laughs> let's hang out with him for today <laughs> and it worked out all right didn't it we had a good day in the end like i think both of us just gradually throughout the day kind of came back on song a little bit like Absolutely, we realized we yeah. were going to make it yeah and it was another big day well, well big, bigger in altitude i think we did eight over 1800 meters yeah today. 1850 today yeah. or something and what was the day previous it was it's all bigger than advertised yeah uh, which is kind of strange don't know where ash is to answer about <laughs> that but um yeah so that was basically two 1800 plus days with a combined descent of everest as far as i can calculate not far off <laughs> yeah, yeah a 50, pretty much 60 down on the first and a 30 some a 3000 uh today so wild pretty serious uh pretty serious numbers yeah mad but i think it is yeah for me like i said it is all about the people so i rode with bass yesterday and he properly like helped me get through the day when i was struggling in the last well, we did. We had to do thirteen hundred meters of climbing from two o'clock onwards. It was a pretty brutal hike. Yeah, bike, over yeah. thirty-eight k's or something. Yeah. That's a big day for anyone, basically. But it's a big afternoon for yeah, us. Yeah, thirty-eight k for the afternoon <laughs> yeah. was was a bit of an ask. And that last push was hard. You know, I almost can't even. Oh yeah, no, I can remember that. That's how kind of out of it I was yeah. with dehydration. I was kind of seeing two of the media crew, and I was doing a segment <laughs> for for their Instagram and. Uh, yeah, it's uh, good to get back on board with yeah. the, the fueling and the, the salts. Definitely. But yeah, the, the people, I, I, I think I said to you or someone else, can't remember, but uh, yeah, these events have kind of 
experience kind of untold kindness when you're at your lowest yeah and someone will come up with a tool or just uh you know food or rehydration or even just like a nice word in your ear like we can 100%. do this let's yeah yeah kind of carrying each other through the tough parts definitely to yeah like, enjoy the good bits yeah and bass was with us today and struggled a little bit and like it said thanks to both of us for like yeah. helping get him through the day because we were able to be a bit more upbeat than we were yesterday. Well, I was kind of surprised with you because I was kind of trying to G you up in the morning and then yeah. you totally overtook me. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I, I didn't realise how much I needed somebody to kind of do that in return for me. Take um, a turn to be hype man for yeah, the Yeah, pretty, <laughs> pretty much. So the three of us together managed to get through, yeah, a day in the Hurt Locker. Yeah, and what an <laughs> epic end to the day. We climbed up to, I don't know how high we were, like well over 2,000, I think, at the end. Yeah, must Rain have Rain came in, the wind came in. The hail came in. Yeah, yeah uh, the, the the temperature dropped, started feeling pretty cold. Um, uh, yeah, kind of felt like I was um, overstaying my welcome on a peak and we needed to get drop down about 500 yeah, meters and I get out it, of it i think it was 26 degrees at lunch in the village and four degrees at the top of that was hill four degrees yeah wow. <laughs> it was pretty pretty hard work and but then yeah that loamy stage at the bottom was like the reward eh yeah yeah um that was like being on a uh, like a, a roller coaster with no brakes uh, basically <laughs> hanging off the back of your bike <laughs> yeah it was pretty interesting and then yeah coming across the finish to some italian accordion players in italian crowd there was actually a crowd out on the track which yeah. was pretty insane yeah and then uh crimes against unesco world heritage sites probably like riding <laughs> through some ancient italian um yeah, it's an old fortress eh? old fortress yeah, yeah. Uh, doing stair drops 10 times over uh, yeah. to get down to the the pizza and the beer <laughs> yeah the after party yeah and the, again the italians put it on there was a dj some bits of pizza and for it was kind of just what we needed after day three to be yeah, honest yeah definitely a, a proper fitting end to the day yeah after, halfway through halfway through yeah if i can just continue to do do that all over again jesus <laughs> <laughs> it seems strange to think now doesn't it like we're all kind of upbeat and then suddenly the reality sets in that you're like We'll go three more days of that. Yeah, yeah, three more days. Uh, just got to focus on keeping the body going, basically. Yeah. Touch wood, the bike, I, I bet, apart from the bent rotor, which I've replaced, which yeah. is a little bit noisy. But yeah, the bike's holding up. Just hope I can too. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Just got to look after ourselves and... Uh, look after each other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's plenty of that out there. So yeah, all good. Nice one. Cheers, mate. And we'll see you on the trails tomorrow. Awesome. See you then. Thanks. All right, Tracy Mosley. First ever Stone King? Yeah, first ever Stone King. Done a few of the uh, previous. Yeah, how many Trans-Provences did you do? Uh, three. So I did the first kind of official one, I guess, 2011. Yeah. And then 2015, and then 2019. Just okay. after, year after I had Toby. So Toby and James came for that one. Fair play. And, uh, how did you get on with that first one back? Amazingly well at the time, yeah. because I think... I think that summer we'd done quite a lot of towing Toby in the trailer on my yeah. XE bike before my e-bike as well. So surprisingly, that was um, pretty good. And I was also, I think, I still did quite a bit of cross-country technical coach work with the team that year. Uh, yeah, so I probably okay. was fitter then than I am now, I yeah. think, in reality. So, okay. yeah, surprisingly, I my body kind of remember what to do relatively quickly and yeah. seemed to yeah seemed to have, have good memories of not suffering like I have this year actually yeah nice <laughs> so your partner James did it last year right yeah. and you came along with Toby and yeah. like hung out throughout the week yeah we came and basically drove from camp to camp and 
Toby pretended he was helping try and put tents up, but he, <laughs> they could just entertain the camp crew. But it yeah. was cool actually to see it from the other side and see how much work goes into an event like this. And yeah, the amount the logistics of, of it. Yeah. yeah, it's insane actually when you see the timescales and how quickly you need to pack stuff up and the whole the whole routine is pretty slick actually. And yeah. Um, yeah. It was ace to kind of be the other side of it, but I still kind of was a bit jealous of wanting to ride my bike and do it myself. So Was it a negotiation to come this time then? Or? Yeah, I left it a little bit late. I think I'd thought about it. And then I think only two months ago, I was like, Quaidy could quite like to go and do that, just for me to have a you know a week away yeah, from a bike. Totally. So I think I even messaged Ash first before I even asked James, just to say, is there any cancellations? <laughs> and he said, well, not at the minute, but give me a few weeks. Yeah. So until once I got the okay from Ash, there was a space. I then said, would it be okay if I went James? And he went, mm, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's worked out fine. Toby's at school now, yeah. so it would have been tricky to have taken him out anyway for this yeah, trip. So. fair. So did you do any specific training? Because you're racing the EEDR no, this year. to be honest, the only thing I've done was, I've done, done a little bit of, let's say, more regular gym, but that's literally okay. twice a week and it's not been loads. Yeah. Just, but that was more for my e-bike racing because I felt like I needed upper body strength. Yeah. So. Sadly, I haven't done any long rides. Maybe max I seem to get time to do these days is probably two hours at tops. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I came in pretty, I would say, unprepared in terms of back-to-back long days. It's just, it just hasn't happened for a good few years, yeah. being able to do that. But I guess I always hoped that there'd be some muscle memory there that would remember how to do it. Um, and I was surprised day one and two, I really suffered because it okay. it's the highest altitude. Yeah. As well, yeah, which we were I'm never great high, with. like nearly 3,000 at some yeah, point. Yeah, we were 2.7, weren't we, for yeah. a bit? And I think I'm always not great at altitude, especially when I haven't been here for ages. Um, but thankfully, on day kind of three and four, I started to feel like, ah, my body was remembering what to do and I could actually yeah. pedal where I wanted to rather than... And, and not great at pushing. And we did quite a bit of pushing those first couple of days as well, so that made it tough. But yeah, I was surprised how hard I found it this year in comparison to my maybe my memory's fading me but yeah or I'm just <laughs> getting on the pain <laughs> maybe I'm just kidding it's a combination of lots of things I think but no it's been ace to, yeah to kind of put myself in that pain cave again to be honest definitely that's cool and how is it like being here as like a famous mountain biker because there are like there's a few like people that are I guess yeah famous to everyone in the sport and then everyone else is just like us normal yeah, people come in and ride. I still find like, that really weird because ultimately I, st- I don't think, well, I'm not any different to anyone else. And I, it's a small world, the whole mountain bike bubble. So yeah. I still see myself as just as just me, just Tracy. But yeah, one of the guys is like, oh, I'm sat next to <laughs> sat next to you in the bus. I've like, you know, read about you in the UK for yeah. the last 20 years. And I was just like, oh. But I think what I quite like about it is that it does feel like it equalizes everyone yeah, in a way. Yeah. That, that's why I love these events because you meet all sorts of people that you would never normally meet at a race. Totally. And ultimately they're all here just to have fun and explore Ash's yeah. crazy idea of a bike race down these trails. <laughs> and I think that's what's really special. You make some really good friends and you just, you realize you've just got a very common thing that you guys like doing, whatever your level. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's just taste. It is. It's amazing how many people come back as well. Like so many people here seem to know each other from, from previous oh, we were ones. on 2019 Transprovence or 2015 or whatever and it's like yeah. old friends. It's cool. Well I think maybe you'll appreciate now it is quite a special kind of journey and it's not something you would ever normally do. Yeah. Um, Ash and the team are, I think they do an incredible job to, to do and I've almost for a few years have been like Ash you're crazy like <laughs> how, how is this possible? And the risk yeah. in some ways when you actually think about what we're doing blind racing down some pretty exposed trails that half time aren't cleaned you yeah. know you can't really see the edges of the track you can't see the hidden rocks yeah and you expecting people to kind of you know you put a stopwatch on them they're going to try and, try and push, push it a little yeah. bit yeah. so but i think that's part of the thrill of it in a way yeah. that you're doing something that is 
not a normal thing to do. And it's, yeah, the, the places you get to are, are incredible. Yeah, it's yeah. insane, isn't it? Yeah. I feel pretty well looked after though. Like there's medics around and like, I feel like if there was an issue, you got the best chance of oh. being looked after, which is pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I think sure having, those, having those doctors at the start of each stage yeah. and those guys on bikes that were with us is, is amazing. And then, yeah. you know, every place seems to have had like an ambulance waiting, you know, fairly near the bottom of a stage if there was an issue. So, yeah, I mean, the logistics that goes into this and the permissions that Ash has done and all these crazy little areas that we're in, yeah. that have, you know, they don't ever really see bikes other than probably this event once a year. So, yeah, yeah it's, I can't imagine how much time left it's been, but he definitely won't have, you know, left our safety out I don't think that's no, a good. pretty important it thing really where good. we are so remote yeah. a lot of the time yeah and you're in the lead still at the end of day I think so four? I haven't had a look yet but I had a fairly decent kind of bit of a buffer I would say coming yeah. into these last couple of days so which is great yeah I mean it's so hard to know where you where you sit when you've not been racing for a while yeah. and haven't done anything like this um, and it's nice now just hopefully end end of the day you still got to get to the get to the finish get to the line sea. yeah and even if you've got a minute or two in you can still lose it quite easily so yeah i feel like i was riding a bit more cautious today and trying to nurse my bike because there's lots of potential for punctures and damages a lot, yeah a lot of sharp rocks so, yeah. yeah so no it's super exciting it's just been ace to be back part of it and getting a bit scared of my bike again which i've not <laughs> done for a good few years good stuff well it's yeah it's lovely to have you here and uh, all the best for day five tomorrow and we'll see you on the beach for some beers at the end of it all great stuff thank awesome. you cheers tracy cheers all right, Jesse, you've just finished the Stone King Rally 2023. Just give us a few words of reflection on your week. Tell us how it's been. I think it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Can I please have a lost in the woods? You can. I'm just going to pour a pint. The hardest thing you've ever done. Go on, while I pour this beer. Yeah. Well, it's how they advertised it. Yeah? The hardest mountain bike race in the world. But, you know, you don't actually believe advertising anymore. And I find myself all week long reflecting on all the things Ash said that they were coming true and that I didn't <laughs> believe them until I did them. Yeah, fair. And it was something about, like, you have to feel it before you can actually believe it. Yeah. And so Ash said all these things. He said things like, you know, you, you can make it a race if you want, but it's an adventure. Yeah. And we're going to go places on bikes that, you've never, that no one has ever been before. And then we did that. Yeah, we definitely did. And I realized, like, okay, he told us what we were going to do, <laughs> but I didn't know how to believe it. Yeah. And I didn't understand half the time that half the time he's just bringing us to some strange spot. Yeah. And he's just taking us someplace that's, you know, a place he wanted us to see. Yeah, it's incredible. And experience something. Yeah. And Me too, I, I got that point. Yeah, and the trails were, like, so varied as well. I mean, we've gone from high alpine, like, pretty gnarly, loose rock, through loamy forests, down gullies. We've been down like slick rock, Moab kind of sections, like huge variety of huge terrain. Huge variety. Yeah. One of the strange things as a, someone from the United States was I kept saying like, I feel like I'm here. I feel like I'm here. And I, like in one day I went from Massachusetts to North Carolina to Oregon to California. <laughs> and it was just, but of course it was Europe. I was yeah. comparing it to the wrong thing, but I was just trying to get a grasp on how much it was changing. Yeah. The other strange thing is you go through so much travel during the day, you can't remember it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're hiking, you can do a long hike, a 12-hour hike, and you, you get to one peak. Yeah. And we're crossing five or six, and I'm, I'm having trouble remembering what I did. <laughs> it's, just, it, you know, it's like a stew of, I can remember a day, but I can't remember a moment. It's, yeah. It's something. No, I'm with you on that, yeah. And you, you've had quite a big crash this week, is that right? Earlier in the week? Yeah, I did. I, I, I on, up in one of the high alpine meadows, I went off the side and 
smashed my face. And my full face helmet hit my jaw so hard it partially dislocated it. Wow. And so I had a dislocated jaw, and we hadn't started the climbing yet. Which day was this? Like day two? It was day three. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was the morning of... It was when we crossed that high pass. Yeah. And I just hit some rock, and it was when we were moving really fast. Uh-huh. And yeah, I ended up down at stage one with a jaw that wasn't lined up right in the hospital 50 kilometers away. And, yeah. And thought the day was over. thought the whole, right, the whole thing was over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd worked for six months for this. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty going. So ha- what happened? How did you deal with it? Because we're here at the finish, right? I was there at the finish. I'm here at the finish. And so... Mostly talking to other people, mm-hmm. and I managed to limp my way to the feed zone. And there were some people there who had experience, and they looked at me and they said, "You're bad, yeah, but your jaw is going to come back together in three days. Okay, your muscles are going to relax. Yeah, it's going to work its way back. Going to the hospital isn't going to help it. Yeah." And I decided to believe them. <laughs> and also, if I'd gone to the hospital, I mean, truth be told, I would have the circus would have moved on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it moves done, town yeah. to town to town, and, yeah. and I wouldn't have caught back up. Yeah, definitely. So it was a hard moment, but, yeah, I, I decided just oh, well. to, to keep going and go for it, and, you know, yeah. Incredible. So, so you rode yeah. three, we're three days on from that now. Is the jaw feeling better? Is it yeah, starting to it settle? Is. Yeah. You know, the teeth are lining up, and they were right, those yeah. two people. They said, yeah, in two or three days, it's going to relax, and you're going to be okay, and I'm okay now. Incredible. Oh, it's good that we've got people around us that, that have that information. It yeah. is. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. And, they, you know, they didn't, they were working people on the tour who didn't yeah. want to be asked for advice medically, <laughs> but, you know, when, when pushed, they said, you'll probably be okay. Yeah. And, and they were right, and they, but yeah, I mean, I, we had, I had to climb 5,000 feet in, you know, U.S. terms. Yeah. Up to a howling windstorm. And <laughs> yeah, I remember that day. Get over the top of the thing. Yeah. And, but it, it worked. And, and it wasn't just me. I Yesterday, I was helping someone else who was in complete distress, and they almost didn't make it. Yeah. But she's going to, I'm sure she's going to roll in. That's having so cool. finished this. And yesterday, it was not clear she was going to finish. And, yeah. You know, she's going to make it. I know it. Happy days. Does that make it even more sweet then, given what you've been through? Like. Yeah, it does. I mean, it takes the whole competition piece out of it. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm I'm not in here. I'm not here to win this race. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think many people a, are, which is cool. Which is very yeah. cool. Yeah, it is the experience part of it. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's my favorite thing about enduro, is I've done a lot of bike racing. Yeah, I've done cross country mountain bike racing. I've done road racing. I've done, I've done lots of different kinds, and this is by far the most uh, helpful. People help each other. They talk to each other on the climb. You spend hours riding next to people, yeah. telling life stories. And, and one person's up, another person's down. Like, yeah. everyone helps each other out. And, you know, when I crashed, it was my fault. Uh-huh. It wasn't, some, no, someone else didn't knock yeah. me off the trail. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is good. It was, yeah. you know, it was like I was going over my head. But everyone's there for you, right? But, yeah, everyone's there. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good sport that way. Yeah. Someone figured out a good sport. Good stuff, man. Well, I'm absolutely stoked that you made it to the finish. I yeah. saw you... Uh, Definitely in the hurt locker earlier in the week. So yeah, yeah, props, man. That's incredible resilience to work through I, that and get yeah. to here. I shed some small tears coming down the road of happiness. Yeah, you deserve it. You <laughs> yeah. deserve it, mate, and you deserve those beers. Yeah, nice thanks. one. Cheers, Jesse. Thank you, Simon Rennie. You've just finished your first ever Stone King Rally. How are you feeling? First off, uh, it's a bit difficult to put into words. To be honest, I, my my friend Jeff has done. 10 transfer 
uh, and I've heard a lot about it over the last decade. <laughs> he never shuts up, right? He, uh, <laughs> we do have a little running gag because he quite often says, oh yeah, on this TP, this happened, and on this TP... And every time he says it, I look at him and he knows that he's, he's banging on about TP. <laughs> but I, now I understand why he's been frothing about it so much. Yes. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And uh, this, so this is the first time I've really had the opportunity to do this race because of time constraints in the past. But um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Every, every moment, even the, the hard things that you have to go through throughout the day you sort of forget because the trails are so good yeah that you that's the thing that you take you take that bit out of it because that's the thing that, you, that sticks in your memory really really strongly yeah how dark has it got I've seen you on a, at least one evening where I think you were <coughs> struggling a bit it was it, day two I think because it involved more pushing up than riding I was ruined on the end of that <laughs> yeah, day yeah. I would I had the, the the last push up to the last stage ruined me uh, but the days after that I've been a bit more more normal climb sitting on just spinning away and that's the sort of thing I train for to come okay. here is I've been doing a load of zone 2 stuff low intensity and that's what I've tried to stay below a certain heart rate but okay. and, and doing um, normal climbs up you know just spinning away that's sort of pretty straightforward yeah but the pushing i hadn't trained to do that at all so that my shoulders and upper back i was destroyed it was, <laughs> i'd stop every now and again on the push on the pushes because it was in it was pain rather yeah, than yeah. fatigue um yeah day two was was terrible but after that it's not been at all I, i've i think i've i've been all right like yeah. my legs have felt good body's felt pretty good um yeah, so I think that yeah, the pushing days was were definitely the hardest. Yeah, and nice to meet loads of other passionate riders. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everyone here is just here to have a good time, which is which is great. And everyone's everyone sort of buys into the the whole uh, journey and going from point to point, and the the whole vibe is is just brilliant. Everyone's just everyone's just nice people having a nice time riding nice bikes on really great trails yeah and everyone's it's a sort of when you go through shared experiences and shared hardships that's when you sort of build bonds with people and there's a lot of people here that I don't necessarily know the name but I know that they've been through the same thing as, as I have and it sort of just makes you a bit closer to people even though you're not, you don't know them but you, yeah. you, you shared something that's quite unique I think yeah definitely it's cool like you see it with Jeff right Jeff knows so many people here that have been on various other Provences and Stone King rallies like. I think he knows half the people here because everybody keeps coming back and yeah. because I think you know once you've done it you realise you just you, you sort of crave it again I think But yeah we'll how see. long did it take for you in the week to want to do it again because for me like the first couple of days I was I'm not sure I'm there yet but, okay. but I've really enjoyed this but I haven't absorbed it yeah, yeah, yeah I need to sort of have a couple of weeks to sort of because it's pretty intense yeah, I yeah. need to have a couple of weeks to sort of decompress at home yeah. and, and sort of go over it and think about the stages and, and things like that and I don't know maybe after two or three weeks I need to uh, have a word with the wife and tell her that <laughs> I'm going to booking in next year apply again next year but yeah yeah I haven't really I haven't had that it's not like because it's so long yeah 
I haven't immediately been thinking, oh, I need to do this again because I'm just looking forward to the next day yeah, and then yeah, the next yeah. day and the next day. And, yeah. and you don't really know what is coming. You don't find out until the end of the day. Did you like that element of it? Like almost the secrecy, the, the uh, like, you don't know what's happening tomorrow until you finish the day you're on. I, yeah, I don't mind it because you're going to go out and you're going to ride it anyway. So it doesn't really matter because yeah. you, you sort of, uh, well, but everybody trusts Ash and what he what he has made, and because of the trust, you don't need to know because you know that it's going to be fine. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't mind that element that you don't you don't really find out until the night before. Sometimes at ten o'clock at night, <laughs> yeah. how far you're going to go, how much climbing you're going to do, and even when you find out, it might change the next day because of local closures or road issues or something like that. So. No, yeah, it's, it's an impressive effort, isn't it? Like the logistics behind uh, this to keep uh, it all running is insane. I can't imagine the. It's not just the planning of the routes and everything like that, but all of the uplifts and they've all got the maps that they follow. Everybody, the, the way that they've used commute this year has been really good, and yeah. you know exactly where you're going, and it tells you the turns and everything like that. And if there's a problem, then they just update the things on commute, and then they you re-upload it. Uh, re redownload it and then uh, yeah it's 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 a and but it's not just the the routes it's everything behind the scenes like the all the, the people who doing all the catering and the timing and the logistics it's it makes you realize why the because the entry fee is not low no no but when you get here and you see all of the infrastructure you realize yeah. that it, that's what it's for because there's so many people here yeah there's probably like at least one member of staff to every two riders it's insane it feels like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah incredible good stuff man well I'm glad you've enjoyed your first experience I'm, uh, I'm stoked for you that you made it to the finish thank you and uh, we'll see if you end up signing up for next year eh? yeah I'll find out in a few weeks <laughs> nice one cheers Simon thank you alright Chris you've just finished your second Stone King and second, yeah. on top of how many Trans-Provences uh, four Trans-Provence four so. when was the first 2014. 2014. So what what attracted you to it in the first place? What brought you to this uh, mad world? It's the tra I like the travel across the mountains. Yeah. Um, the journey from Alps to the sea. Yeah. And um, I've w uh, operated in mountains for years. I've skied okay. Ah right. Uh, like mountain biking. So I like that it's the journey I'm interested in. Yeah. And and the wild trails. I don't particularly like bike park. Yes. That's so fair. I like a travel across the country. Yeah. So it's perfect. You yeah. can't really travel on a mountain bike without having the camp logistics. Yeah, so much support. There's so right, much to support. Get you through. Yeah, 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 definitely. So you just ride your bike. Yeah. What do you remember from that first one? Because this has been my first and it's been a hell of an experience. Like, what's your reflection back to that first one that you did? It. I think the first thing is how fast everybody was. Yeah, the standards high. The standards yeah. really high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you train for it. You train. You think it's a race, and you train for a race, and you yeah. come and see how fast racers are, and realise actually I'm not a racer. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying the experience, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. going to compete I'm with these racer, top riders. No, yeah, that's fair. No, and yeah. I didn't come to race. Yeah, yeah. I came to enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. And then it, I kind of didn't really train to race in the future. I trained to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, like do you, and do you feel like you've got better at doing these kind of events over multiple versions of it, or the fact that it's always different? Does that like? Make I the challenge different. Yeah, the challenge is always different, and I'm kind of I'm, I manage expectations, kit, everything I need to get through the week. I manage. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have to change as I get older. 
Okay. How you old are you now? 56. Okay, yeah. yeah. Fair play. So as you get less energy and less power and less speed and less, yeah. you kind of have to manage your resources better. Yeah. You've talked this week about, like, just keeping going, basically one foot in front of the other. Yeah, Just yeah. keep ticking just over. Keep going. And yeah. you've done it, and you've made it look. You've actually made it look pretty easy from the yeah, outside yeah. watching you. You just seem to have cruised yeah, through just the keep week. Going forward, yeah. Yeah. Did, does yeah. it feel like that? Has it yeah. been hard? Or you do? Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But you kind of know it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's it's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. Yeah. And you helped me out with a bit of brake wisdom. Yeah. I was suffering with some arm pump, and you recommended putting the levers up a little bit, which did I tried and definitely seemed to yeah. work. Like, okay. have you picked up other little nuggets throughout the years? Like, do you fact do you feel like you've learned from these experiences? Oh yeah. Yeah, you see all sorts of things you see what equipment people have got the way they set the bikes up yeah the way the lines people take over um over the rocks so and it's quite good if you come down at the end of the day the fast people have been down and you see their lines that's true yeah the line gets burnt in doesn't it yeah the line gets burnt in and the good lines yeah and the fast people really leave a mark Um, slow people go down kind of follow around the obstacles and don't leave much of a mark yeah Fast people just kind of burn this big line. That's very true. Straight over stuff. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, there yeah. has been this like darker line on the trail, yeah, yeah. which is generally the best line to be on. Yeah, and you get right. sucked into it if it's if yeah. it's there before you. Yeah, and is... it's and it flows really smoothly. Yeah. So it's actually easier. Yeah. And I guess faster. Yeah. Smooth is fast. Yeah, definitely. What about the sort of camaraderie? Have you met people here like that you've kind of seen again year after yeah, year? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a big family. Yeah. It's like a family reunion, really. More than... <laughs> it's, I was amazed at how many people knew each other on the yeah. first day. I thought it would be a bunch of newbies again, but okay. people seem to, yeah, every yeah, year, you know, like, just come back yeah. for more. And yeah. and same with the staff as well, right? Yeah, Most yeah. of the staff have been done it, like, yeah. multiple years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's people I know, and people I meet at other races or other yeah. events or at mountain bike venues. So you've kind of got this mountain bike family of friends. Yeah. That's awesome. You don't necessarily socialise with them. Yeah. But you you go and meet them at mountain bike events. Very cool. And it's great. Yeah. So you'll be back for more next year? I'll certainly apply. Yeah? Yeah. How does that work then? You just put you have to put in and then yeah. hope you get a place, I guess. Yes. Yeah. 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 You apply to come in and yeah. um you they you fill in a questionnaire. Yeah. And fill it in and hopefully you you get a place. Good stuff, man. Well I feel like you deserve it. It's uh yeah. As with everyone that's completed this race, it's mega impressive to see yeah, yeah. the like resilience that people have to just mm. keep yeah, you keep, keep pedaling and keep going yeah, throughout yeah. the week because it's, it's incredible, but it's it's hard as well, right? Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah it's, um, there's a lot of psycholo- it's psychological, quite a lot. Yes, you know, you've got to kind of you know there are moments when you're really weak, you're tired, you're weak, you're dehydrated, yeah. you haven't had any food, yeah, but you know why, and you just keep moving forward. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. It feels like someone always seems to arrive on the scene at that point and spot mm. you. And yeah. be like, oh, this person needs some help. Yeah. And then that could be the other way around the next yeah, day. Absolutely. Like, that that yeah. element of it's been really quite beautiful, I think. It's, yeah, it's, it's right. nice. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Well, it's been, yeah, it's been super nice to meet you and to learn from you. So, yeah, okay. thanks for that. And yeah, uh, maybe no we'll see you here next year. Yeah, no, see you next year. Nice. Um, <laughs> cheers, Chris. <laughs> Brilliant. Cheers. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, mate. All right, Bass. Uh, where did we meet? <laughs> it feels like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. I think it's actually six days ago. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, first day. Tuesday, Stonking Rally. Yeah. 2023. Yeah. yeah. We were, uh, I guess, at a sort of similar-ish pace. Got chatting a little bit. I yeah. actually remember it was when we were riding out first liaison. Yeah. Saw you 
think you were behind me or in front of me. We're in the same pack. Yeah, yeah. In the same pack of yeah riders. Yeah. yeah. It was cool. It was really nice, eh? To like, everyone's super friendly and like everyone wants to know like why you're there, how you feeling, like how do you feel about it? It's kind of cool. And we ended up riding together quite a lot on that first day and like it was uh, it was pretty tough at the, the last little bit of it because we got into that cloud and it was a white out for the final stage eh? it feels like so long ago and uh, like then we got ago. both of us got lost together riding back didn't we we ended up going too high on that meadow do you remember yeah, <laughs> trying yeah, to get back off that stage in the cloud <laughs> no but it's, it's it's day one you come in like blank blank sheet of paper yeah. you don't know anything you train for this yeah because you've never whatever. done it before same as me yet x amount of time a couple of months maybe a year yeah and you don't know what to expect you see a sheet of data prepared by ash yeah so some some stats you you cannot really you know create a, a clear picture of what is going to happen and then day one kind of new new guys around you yeah it's 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 fun but also a bit scary i think yeah <laughs> definitely it yeah. was cool i remember riding back to camp and really enjoying like getting through that first day with you yeah, i think we were maybe in the food queue or something and you were like do you want to ride together t tomorrow dude and i was like i was stoked it's a bit like first date's gone well <laughs> i was like oh yeah that's cool man it's nice to be going out like with someone you know because we've all come we've come here like alone we've not come with a group of mates like some people have so it was, it was super cool to like no, I was heading out with someone that was in like a sort of similar spot, I guess. And I'm so glad you were there on day two, dude, because yeah. that was that was dark for me towards the end. That was you, a big day. You know, day one, the the whiteout. What I, what I remember most of this was that I messed up the the navigation for us. Okay. You remember? We yeah, were yeah. On the hill. Yeah. And we were supposed to follow the tape, I guess. I found another route on <laughs> Kamut and we drifted a bit off. It and wasn't then I felt quite bad about it. No, you, you, that was cool. You took it quite well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably internally you have been no, mate, cursing was, me, but... I was, to be honest, I was glad you were there because it was like cool. a white... It was literally a white out in the yeah. summer, which is yeah. never experienced before. Couldn't see more than a few feet in front of you. It was stage, pretty weird. Stage one and two were like almost perfect yeah. in, in terms of weather yeah, and stage, stage two was three like was sunny just and high up yeah. and we I guess we had been suffering a lot already yeah. carrying bikes pushing bikes pedaling up all kinds of things happened and then yeah but it created kind of a, a yeah. bond yeah definitely man definitely yeah. and then that yeah, it came to fruition on day two where it was a huge day with that push at the end that was really brutal like I remember coming out it was huge anyway and then we got to that little tiny village we topped up water which I'm glad we did from a little yeah. fountain yeah. I was like oh it must be nearly home and then I think that was one of the hardest pushes of the whole week like loads of big horrible like really steep, steps, steep yeah. awkward not really wide enough to like stand next to your bike yeah. in spots that you could almost fall over pushing your bike it was hard yeah. eh? and, and somehow with our experience we thought we were Almost there. Yeah. After I think two two liaisons with shuttles or lifts, we're kind of rocked to sleep. Yeah. And yeah. then you have to do end of the day big effort, and you end up around 
7 back in camp while you left 7 a.m. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 7 so, we so got it back. was a 12 13 hour, yeah, on bike day. Insane, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. insane. And then our group sort of grew a little bit the following day. So, so when we met Lewis, Lewis had struggled with dehydration, I think, on the night, gone straight to bed, not had any food. I was absolutely rinsed. I think I'd been playing catch up all day and not eating enough, really. And uh, so, yeah, Lewis joined the crew, and then we've sort of stuck together and, and throughout the week, right? Throughout Until the I, whole week. I dropped out, and then you and Lewis rode together this last half, day and a half. Like, how's that been? Like, literally spending a, an intense week like this with people that you've known like a few days. It's pretty unusual to be in that that position. Mm, yeah. yeah, I guess exactly what you say because you're all in the same position you you come in blank sheet don't know each other everyone is yeah more or less suffering alike yeah uh, same level of suffering and i guess that kind of sharing of the suffering creates a very interesting bond yeah, yeah. it definitely does yeah it's really strange i feel like i've known people from this event for so long yeah exactly. it's been a week it's just six days yeah not even a week and <laughs> you feel like you know them for a couple of years yeah well, I guess because we've all been in that vulnerable position with each other right at some point everyone has struggled on this ride I think even maybe not the top yeah. pros I don't know but like everyone at some points had a bit of a wobble I think yeah um, I guess um, and, and being being with such a group Helping each other through these these difficult times is yeah, it's very special. Yeah, <laughs> it's part of the the whole thing, I think. Yeah, it's 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 quite deep. Uh, what you say, everyone in this this week, six days of riding, three hundred whatever kilometers. Yeah. Uh, Eight thousand meters of climbing, pushing, carrying bikes is yeah. You will have an off day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sleep. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's many factors, I guess, that can influence how you feel on a day. Yeah. And then yeah, being able to yeah stick with a bunch of guys with uh, kind of the same attitude, friendly dudes. Yeah. 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 It's been amazing. Like. The it, it helped I, me through. Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, the support I had from you guys was insane. Like even when I pulled out, like it just felt, yeah, it just felt so nice to know that you guys were still out there enjoying it. And like it's been, yeah, I was so excited to see you guys come back to camp, or not to camp, but to the finish today, and know you've made it. And like, yeah, it's weird. You get like a vested cool interest in everyone else's yeah. like ride as well. You want everyone to do well. I think it's kind of crazy, but it's cool. It's it's very cool because my my feelings when you were telling me yesterday that you were kind of dropping out, or yeah. that you would not ride stage three and four of the yeah. day anymore. I felt pretty emotional yeah. about it. Yeah, Fair yeah, point. it was. I don't know, sad. Yeah, yeah. sad mostly. Yeah, I guess because I know that. Yeah, we've been doing this together, and you would physically be able to make it yeah you were probably in a in a bad spot in a bad position at that yeah, moment definitely which made you yeah make that decision at yeah. that moment yeah and, and because you were with that crew for 
the last three four days it's yeah it, it gave me some some yeah sad vibes oh yeah. man yeah sorry to hear that dude but you kept you you, you moved through it and you've crushed this like how does it feel yeah this is your first time right it's my first time yeah, yeah. first time an event in this this kind of format yeah so i yeah i did not know what to expect okay except for yeah, some stats that were released uh, a couple of months ago the stats i've learned to ignore they mean nothing right <laughs> on paper it can look easy and then you go try it and it can be totally different to what you think uh, definitely and ash comes now and then with some extra surprises <laughs> yeah. during the week so even the stats yeah they don't mean a lot yeah. actually yeah they yeah. don't tell the whole story you just yeah. got to be ready to like dig yeah. deep. I think oh, whatever day, whatever's coming, oh, yeah. even if it looks easy on paper, yeah. you, I think you got to be ready to to I give it your all. I think we had that a couple of times that we that we look at the sheet for the next day and we said, oh yeah, not that many kilometers or oh not so much elevation, but yeah. then the elevation gain or the yeah you have to do it pushing your bike or carrying your bike and that's a very different yeah. experience than just pedaling up a, an easy gradient on a on a hill or a mountain yeah definitely man yeah. so what where do you go from here like this is an incredible experience so people talk about it as one of the toughest enduro races out there do do you want more what do you do next it's a tricky question at, at this moment <laughs> You know, I'm holding a beer in my left hand and I, I finished, I'm still kind of a, on a high. Yeah. So I would say that, yeah, I would look for more. Okay. Just for the adventure. Yeah. At this moment, but yeah, ask me again in a couple of weeks and... Uh, okay, I will. We'll see, but, but yeah. For now, I would say, yeah, I would like to do it again or maybe same format, different different race yeah. maybe yeah. it has definitely been exciting and that was also why I signed up for the race not only for the for the adventure not only for the for the riding but mm -hmm. also yeah meeting new people like-minded like-minded people I guess yeah mountain biking lovers in this case uh, yeah just definitely good people yeah. yeah and you're in it for the massage at the end of the day right <laughs> Let me not go too much into that, but the massage was yeah, worth something else. Worth every euro. Every penny. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing you last night, you were like, I've just booked an hour massage <laughs> with a biggest smile on your face. And I think you, you looked asleep when we walked past you last night about nine o'clock getting that massage. So I think three nights in a row I fell asleep during my massage <laughs> it's such a cool thing to have though hey like it makes a big difference to get some sort of relaxation at the end of the day i think it's sometimes hard to fall asleep in your tent on a campsite yeah. like two meters not even two meters away from a guy or a girl in another tent yeah snoring <laughs> so I would advise everyone get that massage and it will get a lot easier to yeah. fall asleep. Yeah. Massage yeah. and bring your earplugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> earplugs. Oh, good one. Good well, one. Yeah. dude, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to hang out with you. And uh, hopefully our paths cross at some other ridiculous event. Likewise. At some point in the future, I'd love to love to race something again with you, dude. It'd be a lot of fun. Likewise, Chris. Nice one. Cheers, mate. Thank Cheers. you.
All right, that's it for this episode about the incredible Stone King Rally. A massive thank you to Santa Cruz for making this possible for me and for Katie for taking the time to help me tell my story. I hope you've enjoyed it. A massive thanks to We Are One Composites for supporting this episode. We Are One are generously offering downtime listeners 15% off all wheel sets, rims and their depackaged bar and stem. So whether you want their new convergence wheels, their still very awesome revolution wheels or their depackaged bar and stem, now is your time. You can get 15% off until the end of August 2023 by using the code DOWNTIMEAUGUST2023 at weareonecomposites.com. That's downtime with a capital D, no space, then August with a capital A, no space, followed by the number 2023 at composites.com. Please note you must put that code at the very final stage of the checkout process on the confirm order page. Also, don't forget, if you want to help support the podcast, then the best way to do that is by heading over to patreon.com forward slash downtime podcast and setting up a donation. That's Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I know times are tough for a lot of people right now, so if that doesn't work for you, then no worries. But if you're able to support, then it is much appreciated. We've also got t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app now or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. All right, that's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs)